1: Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Podcast like it. Just podcast like
0: it. Podcast like it's 1999.
1: Podcast
0: like it.
2: Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we look back at the films of 1999 from our sex dungeons here (laughs) in 2018. So close to a spit take. Uh, I know, I did it exactly what you were (laughs) drinking. Um, my name is Kenny Nybar, one of your hosts, and I'm Phil Iskov. And today we are discussing the movie, uh, 8mm with Jim
3: Campolongo. Hola, como está? Did I get that right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you did well get played. that right. Yeah. I don't Sorry, know, guys, I just feel like we're gonna laugh a lot during this one. Yeah, it's true. it's, it's true. a real it, fun movie, yeah. It's um, a real, uh, better snuff Jesus. film, Jesus. Um,
4: it's eight millimeter, yeah. guys. If you hadn't noticed from clicking on the link, eight millimeters. It's, it's
2: actually eight mm, eight mm, eight mm. Um, eight millimeter stands for uh, millimeter. It does you know mm-hmm. in finance? Home that's stock. how you say million. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Learn something new every there day. There
4: you go. Um, this movie made a lot of non-English weirdly.
2: Major. What's that? This movie made a lot of mm's weirdly.
4: Yeah, did it okay. True. Yeah, this movie made uh, just shy of a hundred million dollars. Let's talk
2: about really? why that happened. <laughs> um, that's crazy. <laughs>
4: Uh, I mean, be, worldwide. Be, yeah, before so. we
2: do that, yeah, yeah, we must introduce you to mm-hmm. our guest. Jim is a writer, producer, television writer, producer. Wrote on The Gifted, The Blacklist, and The Catch. That is correct. With all those. this, all
3: those, all the, all, those. all the, all the those, all the yeah. those shows. Yeah. Yeah. yes. Yeah. It's in. It's in uh, my contract. It is. Yes.
2: that must be that must be the, the hold yeah. with yeah. It, with what's going on right <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah.
2: Um, so uh, change yeah, the title, of the Jim.
3: Title.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to continue with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jim, as uh, as you may know, because you are a
3: self-professed big fan of the pod. Yeah, yeah. long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> first time we got a super
4: yeah. fan on. Right, felt it's good. He's listened to every episode,
2: even Anna the King,
3: even, even Anna, Anna, Anna the and king. the fucking.
2: King. <laughs> the thing is, our listeners don't know we did an Anna and the King yeah. episode, but yeah, you know they
3: did. I'm kidding. They just... Oh, they they, just, <laughs> they <laughs> certainly like didn't listen. It just listen. didn't even... It just evaporated. They, I mean, they... <laughs> Although see, I that's, was, like, that's yeah. one of the great things about this podcast, uh-huh. which is like, I remember all these movies very distinctly, and there are some of them like, I am not going to go back and watch, or I'm not even ever going to see. Like, We're gonna God bless you guys you. for doing Chill Factor. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm never going to watch it, Don't. but yeah. listening your to your you sins. guys talk about it, thank you for taking that bullet. Yeah.
4: yeah. And in The so King, good? two and a half hours But you know what?
3: This movie...
2: Is the real Chill Factor. No. Yes. And oh, I, don't, we're I don't gonna, think we're, so. We're gonna get into it. We're gonna well, I get think into this. That, we, hold, hold on. <laughs> okay. Okay. What I'm trying to say is <laughs> I thought Chill Factor would be Oh, uh, I think I know what you're saying. I thought Chill uh, Factor would be a, would be a fun watch. Be fun. Yeah. yeah. Is what I'm trying to get at. Like, I, get I, you. Thought, I, get I you. thought Chill Factor would be a fun watch, but it was just a miserable death march. Uh whereas this movie, to be honest with you, I think kind of sucks, but I also think it was a fun watch.
3: Interesting. So, uh, all right, Jim, I, I, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, where were you in 1999? I was in my senior year of high school in uh, Haddonfield, New Jersey. Nice. Um, I, think that, com- I think
2: that makes us the same age.
3: Yeah. You are yeah, a, yeah.
2: class 2000?
4: Yep. Right. And uh, and geographically in a relatively close proximity to one of
3: Tri-state either. region. That's right, New York. Yeah. Very right. cool. Look at us.
4: Um, <laughs> East coasters. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, I was, and by the way, like- Total Cinephile. Lived mm-hmm. at the Lowe's Cherry Hill. Uh, sure. that was oh, so like you're my more like more Philly, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All South. Right. Yeah. Yeah. South Jersey. We think we're from Philly. North Jersey, you think, think you're from, from New, New York. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, sure. That's that's how it that goes. I uh, sure I believe you. I don't know anything about anything you're talking about.
2: All right. Yeah, people Sorry. from Cherry Hill, Voorhees area. <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh self identify as <laughs> Philadelphians. Really? Yeah. Yes. We're all Eagles fans. Yes. Or Phillies fans. Really? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you don't know American sports. So. I know that.
4: I know those teams. <laughs> you don't I'm know American geography. Like, no. Yeah. i just. I find it. I find it <laughs> interesting that people that clearly live in a different state affiliate themselves with. Yeah,
2: it's That's very weird. weird. That's weird. Well, yeah. we're you know, very entitled in New Jersey. No, because I mean, this is the, Philly's on. Philly's basically on. It's actually. <laughs> yeah. It's not basically on the board. It's actually on the board. So you, yeah, literally. Right? It literally, it literally takes ten minutes from okay.
3: my okay. house in the Jersey or my mom's house in the Jersey suburbs to like. South Philadelphia. The oh, next really? town okay. over yeah. is Camden, New Jersey.
4: Okay, all right. So, so it, and we you're... held
3: the title that that city held the title for most dangerous city in the country for like five years in a row. Thank you, Chicago. For I respect <laughs> you. Said, out. I respect <laughs> that you said we like yeah, from yeah. Camden. But I went. And I
2: there, went, I went to, to Penn,
3: yeah. so I am
2: well aware of Camden. I I went there once for a White Stripes concert. Yeah, I went. Were to, you scared? I was. <laughs> I'm sure. Was it like the so E-Center?
3: <laughs> so you didn't know where it, you were.
2: It was called, uh, it was that great theater right on the water. It's like, an it's,
3: amazing venue, like crazy. in the heart of Crack City. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> it, it's open air.
2: You have the, the top seats are on the lawn. Like it's, it's, really yeah, it's a really incredible
3: It's really beautiful in like the shittiest place you can imagine.
2: Um, uh, all right, so anyway. you are you a huge cinephile, which leads me to my next question. A new question. Yes. Uh-huh. What are the movies... Would Uh, you have considered doing, did you consider doing, um, not even necessarily movies you wanted to do on the podcast, what were movies you loved from this year?
3: Oh my God, there's there's so many. And it's a lot of the ones that, you know, I think everyone is pretty much going to say, which is like Magnolia, Fight Club. Um, 10 Things I Hate About You, (laughs) Never Been Kissed. 10 Things I Hate About You was like the first real date I ever went on in high school. Yeah, and I was a senior. I'm just, I'm owning that um it was the first it was the first real like movie date i went on in it's high a good school. date movie yeah. so yeah so like i have i have a soft spot for that movie i That's don't fair. think it's particularly great but people love no, i it, wasn't yeah, joking I like so, so
2: there's the group of people who say by club magnolia uh the inside the insider, you know insider can i just say giant. for the
4: record we have not and for what it's worth of the many guests that i've reached out to not one being john malkovich which I, which I think is interesting. Oh,
3: I thought you had that covered. I'm Otherwise, shocked. I totally would have my hat in the ring that. I think that most
4: people probably don't even bring it up because they're just like, it's you know, what I mean? it's a movie that they. I don't even think they would feel comfortable covering. Do you know I what I'm don't saying?
3: know how to do it to be honest.
4: Well, I'm, I'm not sure really? how we're going to do it either yeah. yet. But we'll figure it out
3: when we get there. I mean, there. well, when you asked me like what I wanted to do, I yeah. actually like put all of those films, the ones that I right, the most, the out of my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the thing that I, the thing that I love about. You Know the heart of this podcast is revisiting those movies. Yeah. Um, at a time in our lives when I think you know we're all relatively the same age, these movies were very seminal to us, mm-hmm. and um, and that's why I went with like eight millimeter, which I think is worth re examining because how it was received when it came out, as opposed yeah. to watching it today, for sure, I think the perspective I think a lot of people would change their perspective, even like I even
4: minutely. I, I agree. I, I I went into this film, and then we'll we'll get back to your your, your biographical in a moment, but I went into this film, having seen it in 99, and, you know, there was an odor about Joel Schumacher. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people were just like, this movie's going to suck, and everyone just went in, knives sharpened, myself included, saw the movie. really? Yeah, saw the movie, thought it sucked, and was just like, you know, it it felt like a punchline.
3: Mm -hmm. I mean, so... Well, there was such vitriol for Schumacher vitriol. coming off of Batman, Batman and Robin, and Robin right? which was literally yeah. the film
4: that, that this or predated this. So I, I, I went into watching this film thinking, okay, buckle up. And by the end of it was sort of, I still don't think it's a good movie. And I put that in just sort of like quotation marks. Like, I, I don't know what we consider good, but sure. I will say that I left it thinking that it was a way more interesting film than I had expected it to be. And I was excited to have a conversation about it. You know what I mean? I yeah, definitely yeah, yeah.
2: was excited to have yeah. a conversation about it. It's a more I interesting
4: have, film than I had any right. I had a to say. super
2: different. That's interesting. I had a super different 1999 take. Okay. Which was, uh, I was so over the
3: top obsessed with seven. Um, you, I, I think you said, is is Andy Kevin Walker your favorite writer? Or one of
4: Seven's one of your favorite movies. Seven, Seven is just one of your favorite
3: Seven movies. is one of my
2: favorite movies. Fact, love you, obviously, really. Love you. And yes, and of course, I love Sleepy. Hollow. Sure. Um, sure, but uh, because of my affiliation with you, but um, <laughs> right. but Seven is as much as any movie. The reason that, like, I went yeah, to- of course, right. It was super important to me. First movie I really studied. I'd say yeah, right. So uh,
4: which it begs you to do. It's one of those movies that feels like it's yes. just got so many kind of nooks and crannies and things that kind of dive into. It's a very
3: immersive. What's well, amazing, movie. like I you know, we I think we were all young enough at the time that we had never seen anything like it. Right. I mean, and there had been sort of, you know, bleak films that exist in the history sure. of cinema or films that take unexpected turns, but for us to see like, you know, a major American studio release yep. willing to go that dark and yep. risky and still have something to say and be an amazing feat yeah. of technical filmmaking, of acting. Like it's just you know I'll say it's, 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 that it's, movie whacks it's, you in the face with the it really best does. way.
2: One more thing about that movie, because you're right about everything said is that movie was also not particularly critically lauded. It wasn't panned, but yeah. it, it, this wasn't yes, this wasn't yeah. like
4: It was a, clumped with a lot of thrillers at the time. Right. Yeah. It, this wasn't
2: a runaway. You know, it wasn't an Oscar movie. No, yeah, and it's not as if movies like this can't win Oscars. Silence of the Lambs won like six years before. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it it wasn't a end of the year top ten list, so it felt like we and I mean people around our age were a little ahead of the curve on this.
4: Oh, absolutely! I I, I think it definitely were. You well, because it I'm... got it got kind of put together with a lot of Morgan Freeman, sort of you know and the, mm-hmm. the, the the I know he wasn't in Double Jeopardy, but the Double Jeopardies like and the, the, Kill the, the, girls. the Kiss the Girl, yeah. all that kind of stuff. It it got it got clumped in with those movies unfairly. At the same time, I remember seeing the seeing Seven in the theater and leaving it and being such a fan of Sons of the Lambs, it was hard for me not to sort of see parallels, if you will, or to uh-huh. feel like those two films were. They're not. I now see how yeah. how drastically dissimilar they are, but. Um yeah I don't know. I think I think that the seven deadly sins at the time felt a little gimmicky to me when I saw it in the theater and then obviously obviously subsequently it's a fucking masterstroke.
3: But yeah, I rem- I know. just remember like what was Seven was what? 95? 95. Yeah, yeah. 95. Right. So I was um I think I was in 8th grade when it came out. Yeah. And I just remember like it was sort of on my radar, but I remember um you know, I think it was like the Monday after it had come out there was a group of kids in my class who had seen the movie over the weekend and Poor just kids. would not yeah. stop yeah, 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 raving yeah. about it. Yeah. And they were like, Jim, you say you like movies. Why didn't you fucking see this? And I was like, <laughs> but I had made the assumption that, and I had lumped it into those yeah. sort of middling Cheesy, thrillers, thrillers. Like yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So then I saw it and it absolutely like,
4: I mean, I think that when, me. when, when the sloth guy coughs, oh, that's probably handed me one of the biggest fucking scares I've had in a movie.
3: Wait, is, is it, he coughs in like John C. McKinley's face, he's, right? Yeah, he's like, you got what you deserved. And yeah, he goes, yeah. like, and you're like, what the, like, you're By the just, way, it's so fucked. fun fact, 7 and 8 millimeter may share a universe. Really? Yeah. John C. McKinley's character, who uh-huh. was the SWAT leader in 7, yeah. his name is California. His last oh, name is California. That's too oh. funny. I always assumed uh, that then, was a stage name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, there is Max <laughs> California. Max, Max California,
2: which, which eight I think millimeter. might
4: have been, uh, to Kenny's point, might have been a stage name from, what is it?
2: Hard uh spank? yeah like yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's the, his band. band yeah, 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 yeah uh, no, no, of course it's, it's not his something. real name but, yeah, but
4: I, I still love uh, that's max good. California's a great so
2: player. that so, <laughs> the, yeah. so the the yeah. point yes is seven seven being like super important now, i've said this on the podcast before but stars had a second channel where they would play the same four movies over and over again uh-huh that was the the idea and there was a month where they played seven over and over and Ugh. over again. So I probably watched it 50 times that month. Yeah. And then. you're really studying it too. You're really breaking it apart. Well, you think like, yeah. you're like, you're you, it's, it's almost like an intro to film study. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause
3: it is, it is accessible. Um, but also there's so much there. So, all right. So that, that movie for me, by the way, was, um, from 99, it was Magnolia. Like I am the biggest fucking Magnolia you fan you could possibly imagine. It's, and that the, is, greatest. it's the greatest. That's the greatest movie I saw in theaters like four or five times. I, I did my time. senior high school thesis project on the films Amazing. of Paul Thomas Anderson. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That's how senior, obsessed was. Senior high school, you said? Yeah. That's awesome.
3: Yeah. And it's, I just remember, like, I did the presentation, you know, and just- Those, those wrote, movies wrote, share a universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those and first three do, yeah. yeah. I just remember, like, because you're assessed by, like, three of your teachers in high school. And my my high school, um, the high school German teacher, even though I didn't take German, was, like, doing my, the part of my assessment- and I finished it, and he just stood up and he said, "What do the frogs mean?" And I was like, don't "Well, let's about talk about that." But yeah. it was—it was really amazing to me. Like, it's, you know, it's funny. It was affecting me. Like that film affected me deeply, mm-hmm. and it also like affected this like you know fifty-six-year-old suburban German teacher. I don't know. It's a it was very really a very interesting. affecting movie. And and today, actually, I think you you, mm-hmm. you partook in,
4: in a we sort of had a conversation with um, a fellow podcaster, Michael. I think it's Natalie. I
2: think so. I don't know, because we haven't actually spoken. Well, in he, terms he did, he did, we, I did once call Natalie. Okay. I'm going to say
3: Natalie
4: I okay.
2: think it is, he can, he because he can, can, cause it's Italian. And I think he, he did kind of phonetically spell it out on phone. If him. he wants it to correct me, he can. It sounds a little
3: fancier that way. I love, it does, right? let do
2: By the way, we love you. Oh, he's the You're best. You're the best. <laughs> he's the best. I have no, nothing
4: bad to say <laughs> yeah. about him. Um, but we got into a discussion about, he, he was re-watching Magnolia. And we started talking about, you know, ranking Paul Thomas Anderson films, what have you and um, you know he i think what i love about magnolia which we which i said on this in this tweet is just sort of how by the way let's not go too deep we're not going to no, yeah, 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 do some magnolia juice for again. when you actually do oh, magnolia oh, but that, what I was magnolia is, at, is, yeah, a, is a is a three parter <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like it's it's but i will say that um, i just I, I, I love its sprawl yeah, I love how open hearted it is. Like it's just. It's opera. It, it I think it's really, opera. really, really, I mean, it literally has an opera sequence yeah. in it. it. It is just, it is operatic. It's huge. Its canvas is just, it feels yeah. like all of humanity is a part of that, yeah, that canvas. So I, I just, that's why I
2: feel like yeah, we're yeah, going we, to. It's where
3: it's everything
2: it, comes from. It's Yeah, sure.
3: Well, you know. Well, but it, it long, happened, Kenny. I mean, coming happened. full circle, like, you know, Kenny, you had seven. I had Magnolia. And then Phil, was there a movie that like did it for you that you were just sort of like. Okay, this is my. I got to figure out how to do this, how to get in this business. This yeah, anxiety, I mean that's a good question. It is a good form. question.
4: I think that. I mean, listen. I, I, there is. There's an, an I have two answers, which yeah. is sort of a cop out, but I'm going to say that. Well, I have another one too. So I, I get what you're saying. There was a movie. So Schindler's List. I'm 13 years old. The movie mm-hmm. comes out. I saw it with my grandparents. We were both Holocaust survivors, and and the film had a very powerful effect on them. Obviously, and yeah. on my family. And I kind of left that film being like. Okay, if a movie can do something like this, like this is a, this is a medium and this is storytelling and yeah. sort of the highest possible, whatever. That being said, in terms of my voice, in terms of what I thought I was actually capable of doing or seeing a movie and being like, oh, I want to do that.
2: Can I guess, can I guess, can I guess, can I guess? Jerry Maguire. What? No. Almost Famous. No. Jerry Maguire. Famous.
4: No, uh, and, and you, this might surprise you, but it was Fargo, actually. Oh wow! Oh, great right, answer, cool. great answer. It was the movie that I watched and was like, "This movie is doing all sorts of things in terms of, you know, sort of a doc, like kind of yeah, yeah. a
3: documentary. Like it's, it's thrilling, it's funny, it's terrifying. It's doing it's, it's, it's a doing million things, things, and it all works.
4: And that was sort of the movie. Where I was like, okay, uh, if I can do anything even remotely close to this movie, then I, I've succeeded
2: in something. Another thirty. I'm thirty six now. Yeah, what's thirty six? No, thirty six years old. Hmm. Fargo is my favorite movie. My wow. Favorite. Um so, it, wait, it, so you had Schindler's
3: list and Fargo. Yeah. The other one that I had, yeah. which predates Magnolia, but said like, oh, I could do this. Yeah. Um equally as like, you know, affecting uh clerks. Sure. Kevin Smith's clerks. Sure. Being a kid from Jersey what who a like Jersey had answer. no had, I know, but like uh, e- we, you know, we like, absolutely should have you do dogma. This yeah. this dude who had like Kevin's been at this dude who had no connections to anyone. Yeah. Winds up making this movie that becomes a sensation? And it's like, yeah, but that movie feels a, totally doable as well. Like if yeah, it's you a, think that's, it's a big, it was yeah. a big inspiration to me just in sure. the sense that like, oh, I don't need anybody to tell me I can do it. I can just that's do a, it. That's a
2: great, that's a great notion. Yeah.
3: And that's today. I mean, I'm sure you guys
2: kind of wind up talking to aspiring TV or screenwriters. Yeah. Uh-huh. And what I always say is, um, no one's stopping you. Yeah, you have you have the same camera used to shoot feature films on your phone right now.
3: I know you look at You're Tangerine, dream. That's ever. like a beautifully yeah. shot no. film. You, um, yeah. you have the same.
2: Yeah, you have the same access that, uh, Issa Rae, that, that Issa, Issa Ray that had. Yeah, okay. when she when she did um, or Broad City. Issa Rae, Broad yeah. City, oh, right. uh, fucking high mat, high maintenance. Yeah. All these same people yep. just did exactly what you can do, yeah. and you can have a show on HBR HBO. Comedy Central
3: yeah. within two years if you're a genius. Yep. Um, or if you have, or if you just have something to say, yeah. right. you know? Right, right. Yeah. Um, by the way, Kenny, I'm sorry. I think I cut you off. You were about to say something about Fargo.
4: You say, I'm 36. Fargo's my favorite, Fargo's your movie. favorite
3: movie. Oh, no. All I'm saying is I love it. And I, okay. a, I think
2: that's a great answer. I'm just saying that- Roundtable, we agree. That's probably not my answer uh, from- when From am back in the day, back, yeah, yeah no yeah, I love it. I mean, the yeah. Coen Brothers are the best, of course. I mean,
4: I I I remember. I didn't see Fargo in the theater because in Canada it was rated R, and rated R movies you
3: like you can't see even with a right. parent. You were too polite to even try to sneak I into t- them.
4: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't even. Th- if I'm being honest, I don't think that film was even really on my radar. Is R17? Yeah. Uh,
3: R seventeen? Yeah,
4: R R is eighteen.
2: R is eighteen, so you couldn't even see. So you were eighteen in ninety five.
4: No, I was fifteen in ninety five.
2: you see? Uh, how'd you see seven?
4: Seven wasn't R. Come on. Really? Seven was 14A in Canada. That
3: is crazy. It's what? a whole weird thing. Maybe we it's, we maybe like maybe a, it's a, because there's sex different. in Fargo. There's sex and violence in Fargo there where is. Seven just has violence. Although the
4: violence in Fargo is pretty muted in comparison to what's going
2: on in <laughs> Yeah, <Yo>, I know.
3: <laughs> Yo. But you know but, once... al, but also like Seven does have like the giant yeah. murder dick.
2: Murder,
3: <laughs> but you uh, don't... murder dildo. <laughs> but you don't. No, no. It's, it's, it's this weird. Cleveland Orser. Yeah, it's just <laughs> you know, it's this weird double standard, uh, hypocritical yeah. thing where it's sort of like no, I don't. I don't if you, it's if nice to you know show, Canadians have it too. Yeah, all, you,
2: all, can, yeah. you can,
3: you can, you yeah. can like show Leland Orser wearing a giant knife dildo, yeah. but then God forbid you have Steve Buscemi and Peter Stamare having sex with two naked women. Yeah in the same room. It's weird. That makes people really uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like, what? Love that scene. That makes no sense. Like that, that, that bothers you more than <laughs> the, dog dog the giant knife dildo. He's weird looking. Yeah. He's funny looking. Yeah. I,
4: I mean, I, listen, I, all I know is I didn't see Fargo in the theater. I saw a screener of it when I was working at a video store hmm? that it came. So that's, I didn't even see it. What was the
3: name it? of that video store again?
4: That one was video flicks. Video flicks. Video
2: Little a little bit of a hat on a hat. All right, but let's keep going. Right, let's keep going. Right, yeah, so yeah. so, so my, my point about eight millimeter, we got a little off track. Yeah, sorry. Was I was very excited for it because cool. of Andrew Kevin Walker. Right, right, right. For the same reason, I was very excited for Fight Club. Right, Seven was so important to me, and also the game was important to me. And Andrew Kevin Walker did a he did a pass right on the on game, on the yeah. game yep. and it just it and just, Fight Club, right, and, and Fight Club. Fight Club yeah. It just seemed like this was the next Logical movie step. for yep. me. Yep. Right, and every time I've done that with a movie, I've been brutally disappointed, including Fight Club. <laughs> Crouching Tiger was like really uh, something I was super excited for because Ice Star was one of my favorite movies. Love the Ice Storm. Um, great movie. Uh, and in my head, I wanted to love kung fu movies. So, um, so yeah, I was really looking forward to it. And 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 I didn't, I hated Batman and Robin. But I didn't have the same negative associations with Schumacher that I think. It's know, interesting. think the dude's made some really good films. He has.
3: He has I, made some good films. I like St. Elmo's Fire. I like, I like Flatliners. I like I, Flatliners. I think Flatliners is a fun movie. Um, I love The Lost Boys. about uh, Falling Down? The Client Falling Down. I love The Client. Uh, Time to phone kill. Booth, I think, is a really phone fun movie. Phone Booth's film. a good movie. He's like, Phone Booth's I, all right. He's I, inter- I think it's fun. I don't think it's like, like conceptually, it's great, fun. But it's really fun. It gets a little hemmed in by its concept. But I think Colin Farrell carries that movie.
4: I agree. I mean, and, I think that Schumacher is a surprisingly sort of iconoclast. film. Like he's trying, he's pushing boundaries, he's trying to
3: yeah. kind of shake up the system, in and his he's own got way. an eye for talent. Like he discovered he Colin Farrell. He did. He did by putting him in Tigerland. Yeah, yeah. And then you look at you know you look at the cast of like Saint Elmo's Fire, mm-hmm. which you know was yeah. the brat pack of the eighties. Flatliners, Flatliners yeah. was like the hottest film stars. Yeah. Who, people yeah. who became the hottest film stars in the nineties. I
2: don't. I don't have the same. Oh, the, have you told the Schumacher story on the air? Which Schumacher story? The, how Julie Roberts and oh, yeah, that's oh, story. Gandolfini. Gandolfini both, both said,
3: said their worst movies, movies. Yeah. yeah, that's
4: right.
2: Uh, what was Gandolfini's though? I
4: believe a it was O-meter. this,
3: it was this, and hers was, I think, Dying Young. I thought it was Flatliners, or maybe Flatliners.
4: I think I think the Flatliners experience was tainted because of her whole Keeper Sutherland,
2: yeah, 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 debacle. The story yep, quickly yeah, just, yeah, is great, that yeah. I believe it was for the Mexican Gandolfini and yes. Julie Roberts were both doing. Press uh, pressed okay. together and they asked him what the worst movie was in it, they've ever been in was and she said flatliners and he said eight millimeter and she goes, Oh, we both said Joel Schumacher movies. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean Joel Schumacher does
4: walk a very, very I don't even think it's a fine line anymore. Like he's just all over the map, and I think when he hits it, it's yeah. great. It's like just in ninety nine alone, we have eight millimeter and
2: flawless. But no, but like it's but the thing about Schumacher is, like, let's not. <laughs> feel free to come back for flawless I won't, I won't if you'd talk like. about flawless. Let's not say. I mean, you could say it's great if that's the way you feel. Like, I don't think his movies. Like, I don't think Sandel M- Most Fire is a great movie. I think it's a good movie. Yeah. And no, I don't think I've, Falling Down is my favorite Joel Schumacher movie, to be honest. But, like, I don't think it's a great movie. I think the message is really bizarre. And Well, but okay. I guess.
4: Let- I think he and, he I, and is, I said he's you, above average. He is a B B plus filmmaker be, when he's clicking. But I think he's when a he's done great.
2: Brian De Palma, who I think is a pretty wildly mm-hmm. overrated director in his own right. So De Palma, yeah, I do love De Palma,
4: but I mean Nicholas Cage wears, doing back to back going De Palma to Schumacher. I know. I mean, De, <laughs> De Palma I know. De guys
2: wears to eight millimeter. De Palma yeah, is nice. like no that, apologies. That, that's, like, for that's being... It's like it's like ta- it's like taking <laughs> mushrooms to get over my... <laughs> like, what do you take to come down?
3: More crazy, crazier shit. It's like... Snake Eyes I saw in the theater, too. Yeah, that too. movie sucks. Oh, that was bad. That was... I think that was what Cage did right before this. Yeah, that's Cage, what I'm saying. Cage, Snake Eyes into 8mm. Cage was still riding high, though, because he was coming off of, like, face-off Con sure, Air. Sure. Like, he'd won the Oscar just a few years prior. Like, yeah. so... By the time 8mm came out, he was still, like, a pretty hot commodity. Like, oh, Snake, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's how, that's how you get $100 million. That's how you get
4: $100 million. I mean, I would also say, too, that, and, and Kenny and I texted about this a little bit, but, you know, of course, De Palma and Schumacher and Nicolas Cage make sense. Like, those are those are audacious filmmakers that that take big swings, that play for the cheap seats sometimes, and that's how Nicolas Cage can play. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think it's it's not really to his strengths. I, I, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know how you feel about, he's great in Face Off, but Face Off is a campy as fuck movie. Oh, it's a, a crazy performance. It's a crazy performance. And, yeah. he's, and he's, and John Woo is begging him to play it that big.
3: Yeah.
4: This I th- I movie. I think he and Travolta
3: are both going for it in that movie.
4: No, 100%. I don't think that that. I don't know I don't think what the direction was in 8mm, because uh, he's he's all over the
3: place. I think, I think it's a wildly uneven performance, <laughs> but I think it's some of... There are scenes in there yeah. that I feel like, and I guess we'll get to it when we get into the synopsis, that yeah. I feel like are some of Cage's best work. Like, no joke.
2: He's got some really... Guys, he really isn't joking.
3: Come
4: on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I think that... If if I look at this table, I think that Jim feels definitely the most positive about this movie. I do. And by the I way, am in I... the middle of where you guys feel on this film cuz I think there's a lot of stuff in it that I actually really dug. And there's a portion of this film and I was kind of talking to to Jim about this before we got on mic, but like there's a half hour portion of this film when they get when when uh Tom and Max get to New York and it's basically like Batman and Robin trying to, in the fucking sex trade, trying to like, right, in the fu- meatpacking district. Meat district, trying to figure out like, and I was like, if the whole movie had been this, and it it, it was kind of fun, like, and I, I know it's twisted, it's a fucked up movie, but like, it's, it's having fun, and it's found a lane there, uh-huh. that I was like, oh, Schumacher is really leaning into it, the production design really comes into focus at that point, he's got, you know, his fucking neon graffiti shit, and he's doing like, whatever, but like, it's kind of working at that point, and mm-hmm. then it just careens off the rails for me. But I, I don't know. I, I don't think the movie's a
3: complete wash. Well, yeah, I think it's a good movie, not a great movie. Uh, but I do think I'm not— I'm We'll not, get to the rankings at the end. Yeah, That's I'm that not that. apologizing for the movie. No, I, I actually think it's worth revisiting. And I totally agree with you. It also—it um, reminded me of this movie that I really, really love uh, uh-huh. that I saw um, in college, and I've subsequently gone on to watch multiple times. Um, there was this film in 1960, UK film called Peeping Tom. I don't yeah. know if you guys have ever it's seen a, it. Oh, who directed that movie? I know um, what you're talking about. It's Michael Powell that's of what Powell is, and yeah, Pressburger. Yeah. And Emmerich Pressburger, they did like, you know, Red Shoes, Tales of Hoffman, yeah, yeah. a lot of classic films. And this, and Peeping Wasn't Tom... was it shot, there's, like, the character is filming people, right, with like an 8mm he's camera or something he's like filming, that? It's got a psycho vibe, It's right? a serial yeah. killer film yeah. about um, a quote-unquote documentarian uh-huh. who films people's deaths on camera as he murders them. And when it came out uh in nineteen sixty, it had this exact same reaction that eight millimeter had gotten, which is like it's lurid, it's twisted. Like right. how could anybody who considers them a professional considers themselves a professional yeah. in this creative endeavor make a film like this? Yeah. And um then over time, I mean, we're talking literally like fifty years later, it's now revered as like a classic thriller. And you've got, got like Criterion put out a Blu-ray of it. Um you've got Filmmakers like Scorsese saying, if there's anything you want to know about a director's relationship to his work, you have to watch either Eight and a Half or Peeping Tom. Like, he just... We're going to have to talk about this movie. Come on! I like it, so I. I'm not saying it's in the it's like in the pantheon like, of great films. Yeah, I don't think Criterion's putting
4: this one out. That's, right. no, so that's no, what I that's Of course the, not. Yeah, and I don't think Jim's insinuating that. No,
2: but I also don't really think that that was the reaction to this movie. I don't think people were protesting. I think people were snoring. I mean, really? Yeah, I think there was because it, it's not like it was a real snuff film. It was a movie about a snuff film. So I think I, I don't think people were freaked out. I think people were almost. I actually think people were like, that's it.
4: I here's I I, I I I'm I'm going to agree with Kenny a little bit in the sense that I do agree that when I saw the film, I thought the film was going to be a lot more salacious. I thought it was going to be a lot more. I sexier thought it was going to haunt my dreams because yeah. that
3: was the because that's how you remembered it in '99. Like that was, well, but that's how it was. Promoted. The general reaction from no, I, I think thought that's, from critics. I thought that's what would happen to me in '99.
4: Yeah, I that, kind of I, I I had a similar reaction in the sense that I was like, it's. The other thing that I was a little surprised about, and it it quite frankly might be the reason that the film was able to, or that Schumacher was able to navigate the studio system with this movie, is that there isn't much actual sex. You don't really see much in the the movies themselves. There's a lot of insinuation, a lot of shaky shit that you can't really even tell where you're looking at. And there's no
3: physical violence until an hour and a half into the film. And
4: the physical violence isn't actually really in the movies either. It's like you're, 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 it's hard to yeah. glean what you're actually seeing in these movies. So,
2: to Kenny's point. Well, there's, there's the stuff, right? There's the, you watch, you watch the videos or the films. Yeah. As Nicolas Cage watches them. And like it's, I, I, I wouldn't have characterized it the way you guys characterized it. I thought that, that it was pretty clear what was happening in those movies, that it was yeah. pretty clear a machine was beating up the girl. It was pretty, Clear. I'm not saying what it, they, I'm not saying he was actually beating around.
4: But yeah. I my my point is more that because you it's it's an implication yeah, as opposed to an actual seeing you. it, that's how this film gets released by Sony.
3: I also think anybody would have made any script with Andy Kevin Walker's name on it after time. seven.
4: I mean yeah, no, just I agree. no
3: two ways about I just, it. I
4: just I think that I mean Let's talk a little bit about the context of the film, yeah, just yeah. to sort of give a sense of it. Sure. For people who have not seen the film, the synopsis is that uh, private detective Tom Wells, played by Nicolas Cage, lives a normal life with his wife, Catherine Keener. We'll talk about that. Uh, and young daughter, until he receives a startling new case. A widow named Mrs. Christian, played by uh, Myra Carter. Mira Carter. Myra Carter? Uh, Myra Carter. Myra um, Carter. Has found what happens to be a snuff film what appears to be a snuff film among her late husband's belongings. Who was, he was some sort of a, a tycoon, steel, or some sort of steel magnet. Uh, and she wants Wells to determine if the movie is real or fake. Wells heads to California where a video store employee, Max, California played by Joaquin Phoenix helps him infiltrate the dangerous and depraved world of illegal porn movies. eight uh, millimeter opened on February 26, 1999 in first place with $14.2 million ahead. Wow, of. I did not know that ahead of the other sister and 200 cigarettes uh, it went on to make ninety six million dollars on a forty million dollar budget. 80, so, uh, 8 millimeter has twenty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes.
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the way, like just hearing that synopsis, I just want to say I love the names of the characters I in this too. movie. Like Tom Wells is such a good PI name, it is. and like yeah. Max California, that's yeah. a character. Dino Velvet, Eddie Poole. Oh my Poole. God.
4: Peter Stromar as uh, Dino Velvet. Longdale, like the creepy lawyer. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, Mrs.
3: Christian. Like, it's,
4: you know, you saying that really sort of really hits home for me what Andrew Kevin Walker was going for in terms of the the genres he was trying to blend, the the sort of, uh, the, the, speaking of being a cinephile, clearly a cinephile. Absolutely. You know, you, you can see someone who's trying to kind of, Play in a sandbox that Joel Schumacher is just either sometimes he's in the sandbox, sometimes he's outside the sandbox. He's kind of all over the fucking. Place. You know, I,
3: I think I think the intention of the script is to really, I mean, upend the convention of noir and vigilante films. Sure, sure, sure. And um, I don't really, think it succeeds in doing that. But I think I think, that, I think it makes an admirable effort. Like I don't think it a hundred percent succeeds, but I do think in terms of Kenny's t- face is he thinks he's on like.
2: Camera. I just want to dive more into that. I don't. I, I want to. Yeah. I, I want because I. It's not that I don't agree. It's that I don't. That I don't currently see the argument. But as you know, if you're a, uh, if you're a consumer of our podcast, <laughs> I will change my mind. <laughs> I've if been, convinced. I've been. Con- yeah. I've been convinced many times. I've been convinced that there, by the yeah, way, yeah. That show. there's that there's something there that I just didn't see. I, but in this movie, I think there's so many problems with the 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 premise and basic characterization and the basic motivation and the plotting. Okay. That
3: uh, motivation is interesting cuz we'll get into that. I think Phil yeah. you a little bit
2: before. I, I just I have a hard I like like when the when The plotting
3: when, I'll give you cuz it's it's
4: it's and I think that's that's Schumacher. That's not Andrew Kevin
3: Well, okay, here's the thing. Did you guys read Andrew Kevin Walker's script, original I, script, I, I, script? I, the I, one that's published? Yes.
4: He, well, he's, With yeah, his he's, permission. Well, he's, he posted it on his on his website. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of scripts of his on there, some, some produced, some
3: unproduced. I don't find it, from a narrative standpoint, radically different than anything that unfolds in Schumacher's film. Well— There are a couple small things that are in— Pretty big things in the third act. Uh, well, I don't. I don't know when it's the appropriate time to talk about that. Like, we we'll can, talk about, you can or, talk about it now. Um, no, there were things in 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 Walker's original script that I really liked. Like, mm-hmm. for example, when uh, Tom Wells first comes to California to find Marianne Matthews, another great name. Um, no. There, the whole sequence where he's like going to sex shops and hostels, and it's a big montage mm-hmm. in the original script. There is a voiceover from Marianne Matthews, where of passages from her diary that are really, really great and really humanize her. She becomes more than a victim; she becomes a, an actual character you care about. Which she uh, never becomes. Which film. she never becomes in in this iteration of the yeah. film. I totally agree. Um, but that was something I was like, "Why would you cut that?" Well, but but other yeah. things like you know the Eddie Poole connection to Dino Velvet to yeah. everything that happened revolving how and why the film was made, that's all in the original script. And, and the beginning's the same. Well, I uh, the, think that the I... midpoints, the same, um, the crazy batch, which I think is like, there's a scene in this film that I think is the most batshit scene of 1999, which we'll get to. We will. And, but, and then up until the very end, the last scene, the letter, um, which I hate, which Andrew which Kevin Walker hates. hates. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a
4: couple things that he so Andrew Kevin Walker uh really only had one interview about this movie. He's disowned this film for all intents and purposes. Never even seen it. He's never even seen it. Uh that's he, amazing. He did an yeah. interview in The Guardian, and there's a couple pull. there are a couple quotes that I pulled out of it that I think are are um should give us a sense of what this journey was like for him and what as a writer and also as just someone uh Just in terms of this particular script, but he basically said, um, it was such an inherently depressing experience that the very least I could do is protect myself from the miserable experience of actually watching it. Uh, Indeed, despite being listed as a sole writer, Walker says his script was altered to such a degree by the film's director, Joel Schumacher, that he loathes to take credit for any of it. Here's this movie with my name on it, and just from the trailers I've seen, there are lines I don't want to take credit for. You dance with the devil, the devil don't change, the devil changes you. That wasn't my favorite thing. So what went wrong? Walker says creative differences. One of the things I'm realizing is how inherently unsatisfying the career of a screenwriter can be.
3: <laughs> uh, but at the same time... It took you long enough. But also, like, he got... He got... You have to admit, he got very lucky with Seven. In that he had a director who was... Which and, he talks a about star this, in who this ...who was interview in this well. corner every yeah. step of the way.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, he, he talks... So just to, to, in terms of differences, very quickly... Compare Walker's original draft for eight millimeter to the finished film, a number of key differences are apparent. Firstly, there's the addition of a scene in which Wells unmasks one of the girls' killers, uh, who then outlines his reasons or lack thereof for committing the murder. Which see, feels, I
3: like that though. And but that's that feels not, very
4: studio. That feels that, like
3: they're looking for a fucking But ending. also but also even Walker admits in that same interview that his original conception, and I think I have an extended version of the interview. Mm-hmm. He says, Yeah, in, in the original script, you were never supposed to see Machine's face. Like he just only Nicholas Cage sees. Yeah. It, which even Walker admits is a bit pretentious. Like I don't. I just think that's so inherently unsatisfying. And so did he, by the way. And I mean, I, I he even said it's pretentious. It was pretentious.
4: Well, I think that I think the biggest the biggest change is the letter at the end. The letter at the end is, and the letter at the, the end, end is. It lets, and as in, in Kevin uh, Andrew Kevin Walker's words, says it's an attempt to let the audience off the hook and say everything is going to be okay. absolutely. the, the that's letter, why it sucks. The
2: letter yeah. at the end. I think we would all agree is very bad (laughs) and and i also like honestly just i don't think we should spend too much time on it because i'm way more interested in the
3: unmasking and everything that went into that like the letter the letter sucks like the letter sucks but also i don't know that walker's original ending would have been that satisfying what was it it was well there were two one was he just and this is in the published draft yes he just comes back home and the scenes in the movie yes where he just comes back and like collapses into Catherine Keener's arms same. and just says, save me, save me, save me. And that was the original end of the move. And I don't think that would have worked either. That feels so, that feels incomplete. You know what it feels like to me? And and I actually saw some weird
4: similarities. Uh, well, seven. Eyes five. by Chet. Really? And I say just the fact, the journey that that Bill Harford goes on, decidedly different than the journey that Tom Wells goes on, but both have sort of a, a seedy, underground sex kind of quality Ooh. to it. And a man that runs to his wife at the end and says, I, "I'm so sorry,
3: I'm so sorry, forgive me, forgive me." But then she gets in that last line. Of
2: course, I'm, I'm not that. That's, puts that puts a, per, a fine I'm just saying yeah. Point yeah. that there's some it. interesting. But, but, but that's all right. So, so there are interesting parallels in that one movie. Nailed it. And <laughs> yes, the yeah. And Yes. 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 And absolutely. I and I and I guess that's there. There are a few like fundamental problems I have with this movie, and I'll kind of lay them out. Okay. One is, um, I don't like. Where Nicholas Cage's character came in at a status point, at a status place, like uh, what was his name, the attorney Longdale, Longdale. Longdale, when he explains, you know, when he does the James Bond James Bond villain, where he's like, you speech. had dollar signs oh in your God. eyes when you yeah. walked in the house. Yeah. I don't, I didn't buy that either. No, I, I, I bought that. That I, I didn't buy it, but it's also factually inaccurate. Like this guy starts the movie solving a crime for a senator. Center. So he's not some schmuck, he's not some idiot, and also like he's already in the game he's yeah. already he's already a top yeah. guy, so <clears throat> like either longdale is is longdale 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 yeah. is really bad at his job, which I think is kind of a terrible cop out and that's not a real thing like yeah. you would yeah. never you would never write that um or the script did a really bad job at of of Giving us a good reason for this to be because
3: I I agree like and I think working for a senator and you know getting a stack of cash in the beginning and showing him solving being the crime top notch for we'll what solve, he does yes. um, yeah he is not a dude who's struggling like he lives in a really nice two story home in suburban Pennsylvania yeah and he looks like he's doing all right so
2: I want to keep going on that so the but the the reason for Nicholas Cage getting hired was that he's Longdale discreet. needed a bad person he, he's, he's discreet but he wanted. But he, he wanted it, he wanted someone to fail, yeah. Because he wanted to just tell he
4: wanted, the, he wanted t- to be t- able to tell, put the, her I, to, tell the wife that we tried our petties. best, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: And you know, yeah. there's nothing to find, and you know, die in peace, whatever. So that bothers me. But the other part of the, the the status thing is, I think that this should have been either a very high status guy who really can't play in this muck, mm. or a very low status guy who travels in a different version of this right like a Joe Pesci or or,
4: or to, yeah. not to cut you off but or both a I, guy I who I, comes from this somehow rose to high ranks and is now
3: coming of There's a there's yeah. a line that like sort of implies it's meant to imply that he's not doing as well as he thought and that's um yeah that's when uh, i think longhouse so what's that when he's talking to Catherine Keener about how her father is saying like how are you going to pay for your kids tuition and that kind of shit there's, I mean there's that where he says, like, look, if I take this job, this is our daughter's yeah. college tuition, yeah. whatever. So that I kind of get. But then there's something where Longdale is interviewing him toward the beginning and says, like, you went to Yale and you graduated with – you could have been anything. Why surveillance? And he says, I thought it was the future. That's actually which is, a good, line. Which, a good is, line. which is which is yes. meant to imply, like, I, I was so smart I kind of outsmarted myself and I got into this thing and now I can't get out. Although now, I mean. But, Ironically, but, but he it, was right. He the, was a, right. But the aesthetic <laughs> presentation of Wells at the beginning of the movie does not match I up agree. with the motivation that the movie is selling. Well, and him. I was—I right. I, I also
4: part of my—I think my biggest problem with the movie, truthfully, is that Tom Wells is just not much of a character.
2: That's all right. So this is—that's the other place I was going to go, yeah. which is the—the the best movies like this buy mm-hmm. it into the character at the, the mm-hmm. conversation, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. Sure for for instance Chinatown. Sure. Um Tom Wells never really got caught up in the plot of this movie. Tom Wells is really a Humphrey
3: Bogart character where he has Periphery. Some, he has some distance. And yeah, he's he, a really good investigator though. I got to say I like the investigative work in this movie. I do too. It feels very authentic. It feels um I just don't know anything about Very him. Slick. I'm not invested in him. Which is so important in a movie
2: about this which yeah. a, a movie like this which is about your deepest, darkest fantasies, desires, and fears, yeah. I, we needed to have him put in that position where something about, like, this is so stupid, and I'm not pitching this in real life, but, like, it could have been turned on. Like, yeah, there should no. have well, been some kind of, like, I think,
3: yeah. I, I get that, but I think I think his arc is more, like, um, his gradual, de- like, obviously the, the bigger arc of the movie is... He's an average blue-collar guy who wears khakis, and, by, and he goes down this rabbit hole, and by the end, he is a supremely broken man who can't unsee these things that he's seen. Um, and he's crossed a line which he never thought he would cross. And I think, I think within that, rather than being turned on by the world, which I think is also a great idea, would have been interesting to see, there is this other interesting idea at play, which is he is gradually desensitized by it. In that, the first time he oh, watches yeah. the movie, mm-hmm. he's like physically appalled. In one of the more over the top laughs, yeah. Which not ones, I hate, not his but best I hate form, <laughs> but but honestly though, like yeah, it's a guy who can barely watch it. And the next time you see him watching the film, it's in a hotel room where he's smoking studi- He's studying yeah. it from a clinical perspective. And then the next time he's watching the film, where he spots like the third man, he's on the phone with his wife and child. And then by the time he's like at Dino Velvet's place, he's watching these like fake snuff films, drinking beer, smoking cigarettes, like just fast forwarding yeah. through them. Not because not because yeah. he wants to get through them uh because he can't stand it, but because he's bored. He's well, not finding what he's looking for. I,
2: I, I, and I then at the that. and then at the end, he does murder a guy. So like yeah. you're yeah. I, I get that that's a that's a really strong observation. Like I, I see what you're saying. Um I would I would propose Nicholas Cage is not the guy to play. Yeah,
3: I agree because there's no at that, especially at that point in Cage's career, you don't see him as a blue collar average Joe. He's a fucking movie star. And I think they also not only that he is the kind of guy who would do all the
2: things that Tom Walls does in the end. You, I yes. think you, I think truthfully, if you had Tom Hanks in this role. <laughs>
3: i'm not kidding though like I, not for some insane in sure. reason sure. i can't tell you that i
2: can't tell you why this is the weirdest thing but i keep thinking like it would have been so good with sean
3: austin what but like i, like, just, I think just, i know what you're saying just, just, uh, some someone who's like kind of lily white every man damon and the informant type thing yeah, yeah. But, like, just this like just
2: average I I joe th- like average 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 joe thing yeah. yeah right so
4: i i i agree with all of that i think that there, there are two – they they leave money on the table with two things that I think are, are also integral to what we're talking about with his character, which is the uh, – they waste Catherine Keener. They waste that role. Oh, it's, a th-
3: it's a totally thankless role, but it always, It's
4: not even – It is it, on the page too, by the no, way. No, I, I don't disagree with that, but that's my point. My point is is has less to do with the performance and more to do with how she could have, as a character, yeah. given us a lot more insight into Tom as a person, and she does nothing. She totally. doesn't. She doesn't move the ball at
3: all. And, and then on by top the way, of that, God bless Catherine Keener for actually making that role semi-interesting. Mm, with her, perform- It's not even. No, really I mean, I buy. I buy their I, the things. The things I do like the the moments I like most between them are the little moments where like she catches him smelling like smoke, and it's like, oh, yeah. that's my big vice. I have a cigarette once in a while. Oh, you just wait to see where this movie is going. Yeah, like it. Feel, but they feel like a real. They feel like a married couple in the beginning of that movie to me. Yeah, that's what I. That's I would. What
4: I. I, I, I Kenny and I texted a little bit about this too. The fact that Catherine Keener is in being John Malkovich in this film in the same year is insane. I mean, the, the, her ability as an actress is obviously just, I mean, I, I I honestly think she should have won the Academy Award for being John Malkovich, but as do I I think that eight millimeter is just, it's forget about it being a waste of a great actress. It's just a waste of a role. It it serves so little purpose. The other thing that they fuck up in my opinion is max California as well. And not the character, but the way it ends. His
3: death is so thrown away. I know, but I, I also think it's it's unceremonious on purpose. And I will say, the first time I watched, it the doesn't movie, even affect Tom. He doesn't even seem that fucked up by it. Which maybe that's a point. I, I, they're I, making, I get
2: what I, you're saying, Jim. You're you're yeah. trying to say like that's the point.
4: And and I, by I, the way, that might be a point. Yeah. I just I,
2: it's it's very. I don't believe. I don't believe that. Like I don't believe that that. He he got so desensitized that he wouldn't care about his friend.
3: No, I don't. I don't believe that. I I, I agree with what Phil's saying in okay. that the aftermath of Max's death is not well handled because that should be weighing at heavily all. on Nick Cage, and you don't feel that. We don't even get however, a period at his de- like. We don't get anything to wrap that up. However, I will say though the moment crazy. works for me um, when he dies. It's shocking. I did oh, not sh- see it coming. The same, and, but then I was also
4: I, left unfulfilled with any sort of like. Not even forget about catharsis, but like some sort of a wrap-up.
3: Well, I marriage. think when when he dies is when the movie really becomes wildly uneven. Yeah, um, that's when the movie like coasts into its weird third act, and suddenly becomes this strange vigilante movie that I think actually has some good moments and some really bad moments. The records cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, that whole sequence. The is records great. are great. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's um, the, that's
2: the that's the best. See, that's the best scene in a vacuum in that movie. Yeah. But the tension is so it's high It's fantastic.
4: Yeah. fantastic. I, I mean, so let's, I'm going to talk, let's get a little bit higher altitude before we get into the, into the, um, into the plot of the film. Um, there are two lines that I pulled from Ebert's surprisingly positive review. He gave this three out of four stars.
3: Uh, By the way, I feel like have a Pulitzer Prize-winning author on my side in terms of liking this movie. So who's that? Oh, Roger, Roger Ebert. Ebert. Yeah. So uh, I, don't, I don't feel like a total. He's you have monster. to be careful. This is 1999. Roger
2: Ebert.
4: <laughs> Roger Ebert also had some questionable reviews. I, well, just the American Beauty one was a little creepy. Well, I, I, I don't know. We've had some others too. But just, I, he's. Well, I was going to say said, this about the
2: Captain Keener of it all. Sure. Like I, it's easy to blame the movie. From our purchase here in 2018. Are you saying purchase, purchase or purchase? Purchase. I purchase. No, no, I'm yeah. saying purchase. 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 <laughs> purchase. Okay. Like, like Louisiana purchase. Yeah, By yeah, the way,
3: yeah. for the record, I texted Phil. <laughs> I know you did. And I was like. I love you for it. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the way Kenny says purchase. I got it the first time I listened to it.
2: You know why he, you how he got it? Northeast. That's uh, that how might we, be it. That that's might how be it. we say to the northeast. <laughs> it's 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 that's how we talk. About. All right. I so just didn't the, think there was anything wrong. All with I'm, oh, the, my only slight defense for what happened with Catherine Keener in the movie is that's what happened to women in this kind of movie. So, oh sure. So they wasted but, all all the wives yeah. in a movie like this mm-hmm. were wasted. So I mean, you can and should. They still are in a lot of ways. Yeah, they are. That's true. You can and should hold the movie accountable for that. But it was of the moment, the same way like sure. these awful Ebert reviews where he's like a total sexist pig Yeah, were of the moment, where he had no yeah. concept that he wasn't being a progressive guy.
4: And I would also say that it's it, – that, that that role is akin with the genres that Andrew Kevin Walker is playing in, in terms of these sort of hard-boiled yeah. – detective things where we have a, you have a, a loving wife I, and I, a kid
3: and all that sort of stuff so i, I get like it. you guys i do it wish just, she was just a little more rounded out or just and, more dimensional i mean because like because you think of gwyneth in seven and she's oh my she's a real character man like she lives and breathes my favorite she has moment in seven. independent of brad pitt with she, morgan freeman that scene is
4: that scene the moment when he says best. spoil that kid every chance you get and the reaction she gives is hands down my favorite moment in that movie. It's
3: one of mine. It's, it's yeah. little Amazing. like that's the thing.
2: It's oh little God. moments like that. Yeah. I always think about this when when you know, especially in horror movies. It's it's easy to do the big kills and it's easy to do the 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 tense the the tense moments. Mm-hmm. But the really great movies nail mm-hmm. those little personal moments. It doesn't yeah. matter what the genre is. And Wes Craven can do it and David Fincher can do it and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. who it is. And if you don't do it no offense, Jim. you have eight millimeter where it's like you forget that these are supposed to be actual living, breathing human beings, mm-hmm. and you, you're, you I think I think you got a little lost in now you're making me see it a little better. I do think you got a lo- little lost in this this message I agree oh
3: but yeah. um,
4: um, I, I think a lot of people got i mean I, I also think that it's worth noting and it's something that you we were texting about this a little bit too about how um, this subject matter will always be lurid. Yeah, And that it's, it's, it's possible that we'll never have a film that deals with this universe in a way that is taken seriously, quote unquote, by, you know, I I think that's, I, I, I I guess the reason Um, I bring it up is because I do feel like part of it is getting lost in that it's this sort of luridness of the subject matter.
3: Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it depends on, you know, what you as a viewer can, can stomach. It's very subjective. And, in fact, there's actually a really there's a really interesting um, story that uh, Schumacher mentions in the audio commentary of Eight mm Because I did my I love, fucking I love that gentleman. you listen to the yeah, Schumacher um, commentary.
4: Wow, you watched this movie twice.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I bought the DVD, man. <laughs> Guests uh, need
2: to get on your level. Seven,
3: by the way, it was like it was like seven bucks on Amazon. I'm sure. Like I have no doubt. Yeah, um, I can't believe Schumacher did a commentary on it. Quite honestly, it's kind of it's it's actually quite interesting. He's such um, a because actually whenever i've heard him talk yeah. oh he, he, he's he's going to lull you to sleep like he's very monotone he seems like a lovely man he's very nice <laughs> he i mean like, <laughs> i mean he's very very nice and he's so complimentary and he praises so much of like his cast and crew throughout but the interesting story that he tells and i think to what we were just discussing Phil mm. um is when princess diana died mm-hmm. there was media footage of the aftermath of the crash like bodies yeah. yeah, yeah, being yeah. carried away yeah. and no self-respecting media outlet was going to purchase that footage and air it and montel williams right sure did a special episode where he says we bought the footage and after this next commercial break we are going to air it now the switchboards at fucking cbs or nbc wherever he was they just lit up sure show comes back from commercial break montel williams says we didn't actually buy the footage, but you didn't change the channel, did you? And I think that says everything about who we think we are as opposed to who we really are. And that's why people on the surface. Montel is, Williams. Montel. Drop no, like, I mean, isn't that, isn't that a fucking fascinating anecdote? <laughs> no, though? it is. I just think it's amazing that it Montel well. On the surface, people <laughs> can say, people can say, like, Eight millimeter, it's like it's a, or Peeping Tom, or whatever yeah. you want. Like it's about a snuff film or Boogie Nights, it's about pornography. Right. Like, but at the end of the day, I think a lot of people are very interested. Oh, there's, and there's a qu- I mean, the
4: movie made hundred million dollars. People were
3: interested in seeing this movie. And there's actually a quote from <laughs> Andrew Kevin Walker from that same interview uh-huh. that I want to read to you. Yeah. And it was like his last quote I love movies that take me to places I would never want to go in real life because from the safety of my cinema seat, I'm all for fulfilling my perverse curiosity about what's behind all these closed doors. And I think,
1: and I think, I, if, think you, I, a, I don't think if you, that's
3: if, awesome. Yeah, I think that's totally 100% true of most people. I, I mean, I think that this, I, so Ebert
4: has another line in his review where he says, I know some audience members will be appalled by this film, as many were by Seven. It's a very hard R that would doubtless have an NC 17 if it didn't come, if it came from an indie instead of a big studio. With clout, but it's a real film, not a slick exploitation exercise with all the trappings of depravity, but none of the consequences. Not a film where moral issues are forgotten in the excitement of an action climax. Yes, the hero is an ordinary man who finds himself able to handle violent situations, but that's not the movie's point. The last two words of the screenplay are save me. And by the time they're said, we know what they mean. Mm -hmm. I do think that... You know, I, whether or not Roger Ebert is seeing a quote-unquote better movie or if he's projecting things onto this film, we, we and we will debate that over the next however long
3: we're, we're here. Yeah.
4: But I do think that he does tap into what I think Andrew Kevin Walker is trying to do. And whether or not the film is successful in doing that is obviously I debatable. Think it's, I
3: think it's mostly unsuccessful, but a right. valiant attempt. Yeah. And I think the thing that makes it more than an exploitation movie to me— um, and the same with Seven is, like, these are films that are about something. And I think because when I try to think of why I like a movie, the first thing I ask myself is, like, what is it about? Or, and what I really like about 8mm, for example, is I think it's a film about the inexplicable nature of evil. Like, I look at this as a monster movie, um, but, but there are no monsters, just human beings. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you get the answers – yeah. Why did this ritual man have the snuff film made? Because, because he, he could. could. Yeah. Wow, that's fucked up. Um, why does Machine like killing people? He just does. He says, like, mommy never hit me, daddy never raped me, whatever. I do these things because I like them, which is not the answers that we expect to hear or want to hear. These guys are fucking monsters, and they're almost no different from Michael Myers or, you know, uh, Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. Why does he eat people? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, why does michael myers kill doesn't matter he was just born evil on halloween like so when you take away the masks yeah. and you take away the i mean let's like it, it's one of the best performances of all time but it's very heightened when you take away the theatrics of hopkins performance and you have real life blue collar scumbags at the bottom of these horrible things these guys that could like machine like be your fucking neighbor um that's a really uncomfortable thing to try to process, and I think, and I think that's part of what the movie is going for.
4: I will say this though, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think all of that is, I'm in complete agreement with you. The problem is that the two scenes that you're talking about, where you've got the scene where uh, he's talking to Longdale and he's like, "Why did you do it?" and it's like, "Because he could," or the scene in the, in the fucking cemetery, and we can talk about it being in a fucking cemetery. But at the end, hmm? both of those scenes, in theory sound great in theory. Everything you're saying in theory is great. They're executed really poorly in this movie. The scene where, where Nicholas Cage confronts Longdale is, is hammy over the top. I think, both I think it's a ridiculous.
3: performance issue.
4: Sure. And direction
3: as well. And scripting.
4: it's all clunky. <laughs> it's all too, like, again, I'm not I think
2: saying,
3: that, I don't know if that was Andrew Kevin Walker who wrote that. It was, uh, it was actually kind of, um, well, the second one certainly was interesting in the original script because Cage in the original script Cage had put the film in a bank vault so he had to get in a car with Longdale drive yeah, to the yeah, bank it was, it was get it out of the bank yeah. vault drive back like it was so much shoe leather
4: but but i i'm speaking more to the fact that everything you're talking about in theory sounds great and if and and if this film had been executed better i think yeah. that it it it's all stuff that is worthy of being in a movie and worthy you know things to explore. It's just that Schumacher, first of all, I don't like the final scene in the cemetery. I don't like this, all of this, like I do it because I like it. And I, I mean, all of oh, like looking, looking for answers in, in corners that I think it's scarier if we don't get those answers. Like I think Andrew Kevin Walker's choice of not wrapping stuff up with a bow might not be as satisfying in I terms of, see, I don't I, think
3: it's wrapped up with a bow. I think that
2: there's, I, I, I think there's a, a very clear line between michael myers wordless monster Mm. and frank sabatka um
3: lying in a cemetery telling you this is why i did it there's no reason he's not saying this is why i did it he's just saying i do it because i like to do it and that's really not an explanation i don't i mean i I don't mean to like put you on the spot but like would you you
2: would you would you
3: feel like that was a good motivation for one of your characters if that's the point, and I think that was the point in, in Andrew Kevin Walker's original script, I, don't, I, I, I think it's all there under the surface of the movie. Like, not that the movie is, is well-crafted enough to be subtextual. Yeah. I, think, I think you just <laughs> have to really dig for those – you do really have to dig for those ideas, but they're there if you look. I think, um, I, I
2: think you've convinced me that they're there. I don't think you've convinced me that they're new. Right? oh so, no i'm not saying they're new or or, or particularly <laughs> compelling like i so i get that like there is like the, the this idea there but i do feel like we've heard this argument a lot um i think the franks about the scenes pretty bad and um i just don't like he did it
3: because he could um it doesn't it doesn't say anything right like it I think I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm going to agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. Like, it says a lot to me about sort of what's in our primal nature or what we are truly capable of. I if given, that, if given the means or motivation, like if like Wells becomes a vigilante because he is motivated by that phone call with yeah. Maria Matthews' yeah. mother, I think you know. Which I, I mean, we we need to talk about uh, that when we I, get yeah, to that. I fucking love that. 1999. Stop.
2: With over 60 film and television appearances, Julia Roberts is perhaps the most famous actress of our generation. You know you love her. We love her, too. And during this year's Hollywood Fringe Festival, you can get closer to everyone's favorite pretty woman, and you won't even need something ready to wear. This June, the Asylum Theater Company at the Macadam Place Theater proudly presents... The Complete Works of Julia Roberts, a parody musical. The Complete Works of
4: Julia Roberts follows Jessica, a young woman just trying to make it on her own in LA when her many life obstacles drop into her lap all at once. Jessica is surprised to find herself accepting guidance when the iconic roles of her favorite actress come to life in her living room. Take a journey with Jessica as all her and your favorite Julia Roberts moments come to life in song in this hilarious ode to America's sweethearts. If you're in the Los Angeles area, head over to HollywoodFringe.org for tickets to see the
2: runaway hit of the summer. And here's the hook. No need to be a money monster to purchase tickets because our listeners can use the exclusive code PODCAST99 for a special discount. That's discount code PODCAST99 when you purchase your tickets through HollywoodFringe.org and click on the show page, The Complete Works of Julia Roberts, A Parody Musical. Tickets are on sale now, so buy your tickets before they sell out. Because it's no wonder this world premiere is giving audiences something to talk about. Thank you so much for supporting this show. Sounds like a very good idea. It's a fun show.
4: You should go and see it. You should get tickets. Also, just as a side note, it's a podcast with a capital P. So Podcast 99 is the discount code. Podcast 99, capital P. So um, there you go. And it's 99 is in the number 99. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Check it out.
3: We should get into it. Yeah, yeah
2: we should. Get okay, into
3: you block. know
4: what? Let's just. Let's do just. It. I mean, I, I want to just. Uh, there's a couple quick things that I feel are 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 worth interesting, are worth talking about. The original title of the film was Sexy World. I think mm. that that's something that is absurd. Come on. Uh, Mark, Ten more million dollars opening weekend. Mark Wahlberg turned down the role of Max California. I don't know what Mark Wahlberg's version of Max California is, but I'm just really glad I didn't see it. Right, I'll put it that way. Well, yeah. Joaquin's fucking great in this movie. I just want to go on record. And I say love I think, Joaquin. I King think he's Simpson. the best. Best in this part movie. of the
2: movie. I agree. Except uh, James Gandolfini.
4: The, at one stage, the script ended with a mentally shattered uh, Tom Wells killing himself by driving his car into a wall at a high speed.
3: Very like James M. Kane bleak. Very postman always. I mean, twice I don't shit. even.
4: I don't know. It doesn't feel like... Thi- but Walker even admitted like that was the That wrong was never going to right? happen. Yeah. Um, there was a kind of sequel made about this movie. Not a sequel about there, this movie. There, there was a sequel... There was a movie that was made called The Velvet Side of Hell, which, listen, that's a great title. Straight to video, shitty movie that Sony picked up the rights to distribute and retitled it 8mm 2. 8 2. I was yeah. going to say there is an 8mm yeah. 2. Wow. But although this title suggests it the film is a sequel, do. but it has absolutely no continuity yeah. and is not connected in any way to the film but that's, it's absurd. got like Jonathan
3: Sheck, right? It or does. Yeah. Like. Also,
4: also eight millimeter two is a terrible title for so many reasons. It's a hilarious
3: title. You know what? Maybe it's sold internationally. <laughs> it you know what have... I mean? Like that doesn't mean shit here, but like, because eight yeah. millimeter did great around the globe. Yeah. You know. It
4: did. It seems that it did quite well overseas. Any, any two is a bad title. I agree. I feel like it's lazy. Better. It's very lazy. I'm Deadpool two. Right CBB. Now? I know it'd be better. Uh, I remember when this film was announced, I I was in, I think it was probably in high school, I think last year of high school, maybe first year of film school. And I remember the film was announced and a friend of mine told me like, Oh yeah, Andrew Kevin Walker's making a movie about a snuff film. And I, and I thought to myself, like, first of all, yeah, that tracks, that makes sense. I'm sure. I mean, (laughs) yeah. But then also I thought like, that's actually, and again, I didn't really know about peeping Tom at the time. And there's actually several films of this nature about, you know, where someone is captured on film being murdered, but this to me just felt like, oh, that's a cool hook for a movie. Like, if that's I, done well, I thought well, so too. I agree. I thought that. W- I, I really was like, oh, that's cool. And in my head, I was like, oh, you get someone like Fincher to do that, and that could be really cool. Unfortunately, the movie was directed by Joel Schumacher, and I and I don't, as we've discussed, I don't have fundamental f- Joel Schumacher attaching himself to a movie is not enough for me to go like I'm not going to see that movie. Like he's not someone that I feel is toxic. But I
3: think I think a he, lot of
4: people do feel. I think he that does one. some
3: things very well. I think, like I, like I said, I think he does casting very well. He's got a great eye for talent. Yes. And I think he's smart enough to surround himself with great people. The technical aspects of 8mm, I think, are wonderful. Like, I think Robert... Roger, Robert Ellsworth cinematography is, is great. Phenomenal. Gary, Gary Wisner's production design yes. is rocking. Fantastic. the Michael Dana score is really unexpected. I like it. I
2: lot.
3: hate it. I'm I, with you, Phil. <laughs>
2: okay. I've, I've, <laughs> one I, more, I like it. One more thing to say. <laughs> Um one it's more thing sergeant. to say about the That's okay. Uh, Alright, so you're so, all subjective, so you baby. Andrew <laughs> Kevin Walker does a movie about a snuff film, and that sounds good. I agree. Yeah. My the the last fundamental problem I have with this movie <laughs> is
0: <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen What do we want
2: to happen in this movie, right? So the, oh, yeah. the the movie isn't the movie isn't Nicolas Cage go and solve the murder we're watching on screen because then we don't have to go through this. Is yeah. she alive? But thing. I think
3: I th- I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. So up.
2: it's it's not that it's not what what I just said. It's is this real or not? Yeah. So we're going through the beginning of this movie not knowing what to what to root for because the other thing that's running through this movie is characters on several occasions saying snuff films are a myth so that you naturally want snuff films to be real within the context of this movie. So you have a movie, but you also want this girl to be found because you've met her mom and yeah. you've heard her I think, diary. So I, I, I do not, I think that is a bug, not
3: a feature. <laughs> no, no, I get it. I get it. I think but here's the thing. I think, I think the film and I think, and again, conceptually, I think the film is giving viewers everything they want and saying "fuck you" for wanting it because here are the consequences. Ooh, snuff film, interesting, dangerous world. Um, Is it real or not? And you're kind of like, she's murdered, like real, and then he's he's got a crime to solve, and yeah, it turns out to be real, and it's terrible because now you know the girl's mother, and now you know uh, about about her life, and then also, any average audience would be like in 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 a more I think generic kind of film you say like well now he's got to avenge her death now he's got he's the only one who can get these guys and guess what he does and he pays a huge fucking price for it and it is not enjoyable for you to watch as an audience member and i think i think that's on purpose it's definitely on i, I purpose. mean i mean no it, just in the <laughs> sense that like getting revenge and vigilantism is not glorified in this movie in the same way it is like your kill bill or your death wish or what, and we no, love it, it our john wick i mean we love our vigilante movies well that's when that's if i'm being honest that's when the film loses me a little bit mm-hmm. when it when
4: it crosses that threshold and and, and again well, this might be this might be the studio system in me like
3: it's possible that's i feel it, like execution fails concept
4: execution fails concept and also um, it, it it weirdly feels like a failure it feels like he has crossed a rubicon and we've lost him now you know what I mean? Like he was our hero, and when that happens, it it almost gets
3: too real for me. I don't like, know how. But you then felt the film is it, is really muddied. Well, like that's- in that in that I mean even even um, just visually, yeah. Like I like that Nicolas Cage's character starts out as the guy in khakis. Like he really like when you yeah. see him in Miami, he's wearing khakis. And then when he's a vigilante, he's trying to process, like, real emotion and killing someone. But they have him in, like, <laughs> this black sleeveless shirt that's, like, fucking painted on. It's ridiculous. And yeah. so tight. And, like, he looks like a vigilante. But, no, keep him in the fucking khakis. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, but bloody, that's, that's to Kenny's point. Bloody the khakis. Of, if your
4: casting had been such of just, like, a guy that felt like your neighbor, uh, just yeah. an everyday dude. Totally. I, and, and I, yeah, I, I don't love... We t- we texted a little bit about this, but I I don't I don't think that Nicolas Cage's arc visually works. Oh, no, I don't, yeah. I, I don't like any of that. I don't like the smoking is like all it just it's all so on the nose. It it's to your point you know, subtlety would have gone a long way in, right. in a not-subtle movie. It's The film just sends mixed
3: signals at that point.
4: I want to talk really very quickly, and then we, we really should get into the plot of this movie, but <laughs> I, want, I want to talk about... Um, I think that could be on a t-shirt for us. We really should get into, <laughs> really into should the plot. plot. By By way, way, we'll, 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 we'll fly, fly through the plot. Like, there's
3: just... There's yeah. not,
4: um, it's not that I, uh, complicated. I want to just talk very quickly just about Nicolas Cage's other performance, and we will do a far bigger... We'll do a whole episode, in fact, on Bringing Out the Dead, mm-hmm. which I think is... An interesting movie to put next to this one. Um,
3: I have not seen it since it came out.
4: I, I love Bringing Out the Dead. It's, I know you do. It's, yeah. it's 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 one of my favorite Scorsese films, um, and it's interesting to see how in this movie, I think Nicolas Cage feels a little bit out at sea. I- I'm not. I'm not sure that he completely sort of has. So I don't know
3: that at this point, in Nicolas Cage's life, he remembers how to be a normal guy.
4: <laughs> well, not not so much that, but that that. Tom feels very flat to me for a lot of this movie. I don't know how you feel about it, Kenny.
3: Yeah, I mean, I agree, and I, so, I think that's a so, choice. Like, and I don't I, like—I I don't
4: agree with it. I agree. I th- like it. No, I hear you that it's a, that it's a choice, but I, I also feel as though it's there. There doesn't seem to be much sort of depth to it. Uh, bringing out the dead, he's he is very—he's dealing with a, a very sort of. Uh, uh, an albatross on his shoulders and this character is just weighted down by his inability to save somebody and mm-hmm. he's a paramedic and blah, blah, blah. Um, this to me, I don't know why this guy is so emotionless. And I don't, we're not really given much insight into why this character is the way he is other than the fact that we want to see him get crazier as he gets deeper into this, this CD world. And really we only see flickers of that anyway. So there's there it's it's an unfortunate, again, I think we all agree, it's miscast. It shouldn't have been Nicolas Cage. There's a bunch of people that we could come up with that mm-hmm. would have done something more interesting with it. Um, and it's just a bummer, because I think that that really kind of derails the
2: movie. You wonder if it's... Not the shit out of him. You wonder if it's Schumacher's fault, because we texted about this, too. We did a lot of texting of this. We did. Um, <laughs> we did. Nicolas Cage my opinion, is one of our finest actors. He's a great actor.
3: One of and the, I miss him. One of the finest yeah. actors. Yeah. He went away um, after like two thousand two. So I,
1: come back. He's come back played all us. you
2: know, I mean there's there's so many roles kind of off that have shot off from this. You know, there's like the bad lieutenant type stuff. And he did, you know, obviously like the Wickerman and all these movies where he was crazy. But Please. he's done he's done, yeah, <laughs> he's done so many he's done so many p- movies pitched up there, but he's also yes. obviously done Adaptation, yeah. Um, Matchstick Man. He's He's even like back, way back to Moonstruck. He is great. He's great. He's great. He is capable of anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I agree. This is to your point, Jim. Like, obviously, this was a choice. He doesn't. He doesn't mail in anything. Yeah. He He thinks through everything he does. I just think it was a bad choice. And Schumacher could have been like, uh this is the way we see the character." But I assume he saw it this way too. And yeah. I think that was a mistake. Right.
4: Yeah, I, it, it does. I mean, and and this is the last thing before we get into plot is that yeah. I do. Is there a th- plot? Yeah, there's plots to this movie. I do think that part of, and this is a significant thing. Joel Schumacher coming off of Batman and Robin and the way that that film, he just got, he just got smacked around on yeah, that movie. he was
3: eviscerated. This is a he, great
4: point. He came into this movie and he's like, I'm going to fucking nail this thing. And I'm going to come out, and I'm going to make some dark, gritty, eight-millimeter shit that no— and, and I am 30,
2: fucking I'm sure fucking that sure. played into No, no, I'm, I'm telling you, what, I'm, I'm fucking it, sure that played into that. Probably, and, that's, and that definitely
4: bit. feels like a guy who lost the thread a little bit. He came into it probably too—again, I don't fucking know, but a little too headstrong. And, and had he just let the movie be a little bit? Because on the page, we all agree that it's a stronger film. Yeah, I just think that he got lost in the in the weeds on this a little bit, and and listen, we don't know the behind the scenes stuff. I don't hate jo- Joel Schumacher, but I think that the world hated him coming off yeah. of Batman and Robin, and he was like, "I'm going to make it," and not just that, I'm going to double down and I'm going to do another movie in '99, a socially conscious film about a bigot in a and a, with and, De Niro a drag and, queen. and Philip Seymour Hoffman, which again and, sounds I, you know edgy on paper, and again, like both of these films feel so reactionary. From, as a
2: filmmaker, flawless, less so to me. Yeah. But flawless, I think, also was just an opportunity to
3: direct what probably
2: looked like Felt like an important movie. movie. Yeah, probably yeah. looked like
3: a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing: like I, like I can't speak to what his intentions were. Like we can speculate until Kingdom yeah. Come. Yeah. I Love I, doing that. Though. I, yeah, that's that's it's kind of fun, the point of this podcast. <laughs> but ultimately, but ultimately, I don't care. I don't care what a filmmaker's intentions are. It's what I get out of the movie. And sometimes what I get out of the movie is what they intend. Sometimes it isn't. And sometimes that's a good thing. And sometimes it's a bad thing. Um, simon ennis would agree with you
2: i agree but with many you. many discussions I with, with him you too. About this. you're totally right yeah. and it doesn't look i mean i'm the only person in the world who likes the mark Wahlberg planet of the apes um because i see you're things i like one. parts of it i see things in that movie Makeup's that great. no one else sees and i <laughs> and i, and I and like i think i i not so much say i'm not trying to say it's a great movie but there's so much more there than i think people gave it credit hey, for dude,
3: so. i'm the one sitting here vouching for eight millimeters so i no, hear you loud and clear th- that's my that's that's <laughs> Essentially my point, my
2: point is I completely, and I see things that I, there's no way that Burton intended. So I'm completely with you. However, the fun of this podcast is to be like, Shoemaker probably felt a little small and he's trying to, to, I think
4: that it's, I I think that at the very least, it's a safe assumption that he was like, this, this could not be less like Batman and Robin, right? He, He could not have, have tried to swing farther away from it. And on its face, that says something. So, you know, we can take away from it what what we will. But the plot of this film, this movie opens with Tom in Miami.
3: Well, you have the really eerie image of of Mr. Christian watching watching the the film. film. Yeah, I guess. Which, by the way, I thought, no, I mean, again, it's... Like the day before he died, I guess. It's to Elspeth's... One last hurrah. I love... (laughs) But immediately <laughs> but you start I, with that, that, that Robert Elswit cinematography uh, yes that Elswit's, is just yeah, gorgeous great. and even when you cut to cage like walking through the Miami airport the colors in the background yeah I, so I mean listen
4: I have nothing bad to nothing bad to say about uh, Robert Elswit. he's a phenomenal cinematographer uh, I would love to hear his thoughts on on why he made 8mm um he wasn't Robert
3: Elswit at the time he made this
4: movie. I I guess that's true uh so we we meet I can just say I literally wrote, you can tell from the first shot of Nicolas Cage, he's dialed this up to 11. Like, he's so <laughs> unnecessarily intense in this shot. Yeah. You're just like, oh boy. we're <laughs> Okay, I guess we're going to do this. Uh, Tom goes to Miami. He gets photos to get photos on a cheating husband for a senator, uh, which he does.
3: Establish who he is, what he does. What he does, that sure. That he's that he's known for his discretion. Yes. That and
4: better. that he's got a wife. He's got kids. Yeah. He seems like a good guy. Uh, he's called to Mrs. Christian's house by your attorney, Daniel Lonsdale, a.k.a. Doctor Chilton from Sons of the Lambs. That's,
3: that's mm-hmm. the biggest casting mistake in this movie. it's like minute, oh wait, Doctor Chilton's a minute, bad guy. Yeah, the minute you see <laughs> Anthony Hill walk on screen, you're like, that guy is no bueno. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. it's just like when he, fucking Leland Orser shows up on the Bone Collector. You're like, that guy's definitely the killer. Yeah, he's or he's involved somehow. Yeah, and, and the film tries to make this big mystery, even though I like this trope a lot, but I think it's given away by by Anthony Hill's casting. Hild's casting yeah. Is that you know about. Forty five minutes into the movie, you realize somebody's following Nicolas Cage. Right. And you're like And then we get Oh well, it's definitely times. Dr. Chilton. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean yeah, exactly. come on. I don't, and his, and I don't and know. And what by the way, we know it's you, Dr. Chilton, even though you're wearing a fake mustache. It's ridiculous.
4: Like I that really mustache do, is gross, that, by the way. That mustache is amazing. But I really honestly and you 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 hit the nail on the head, but truthfully, I cast him. It's like there's the no role, upside. There's no upside and and, and when the turn happens. He doesn't bring anything to that turn. No. He actually he's, he's, seems
2: more sniveling and weirdly I, it just doesn't I, I get why cast him. Okay. I also uh it's uh, why write, why write, why write the role that way? Well, right. Why have the sure. only person the, There's only one person it could have been. And you also cast him with kind of a well-known villain kind of guy, which they did yeah. a lot. Like it's there it, was like there was like a, was like a, a rogues, a real-life rogue <laughs> yeah, gallery, gallery of, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of guys, you yeah. know. Um so that's unfortunate, but yeah. Long story
4: short, uh Chilton, Mrs. Christian finds this snuff film. Uh basically Nicholas Cage says that, you know, snuff films are urban myths, but uh she asks him to watch it to see if it's real or if it's fake. We then get
3: one of the most absurd. I mean, yeah, up, up, his, there with, his, up there with the bees. His of, physical of, his physical reactions from to watching Batman. the movie are too much. Like, dude, you're I mean, a great actor. Just play it on your face. It was like, so it's crazy awful. to me. Yeah. And also, by the way, that was the teaser for this film. Oh, I remember. Yeah. I remember
4: seeing that in the theater and being like, this movie's going to suck if this is the type of performance we're in for. Of Nicolas Cage just like,
3: like when he first hits her. It's just, it's it's absurd. Yeah. Anyway. But also, uh, I do think um, they do a pretty good job with withholding what you see from the snuff film.
4: Like you see, it's just not very the- long either. By the no. way, which smartly because we see it so many fucking times in the movie. You know. Yeah. It's I don't know. So he watches it. Tom starts digging into sort of investigation, doing research on film stock. Which, listen, as a film nerd, that's all cool, but I'm just like, what?
3: Well, no, I mean, I, think it's, I yeah. think it's smart pseudo yeah. no, technique. I, yeah. The first thing he does, though, I think, and this is one of the things I like that the movie does, is he goes to the um, uh, National Center of Missing Persons in yes. Ohio. Yes, 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 And he's literally combing through everything. And one of the things I think the film does really well is passage of time. and. Yes. Just getting out the exposition in those phone calls, just yeah. saying, "Here's where I am. Here's what I found." Blah 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 blah. Like weeks go by, yeah. and but it only it happens in a matter of like a minute of screen time, and I think that's really economical storytelling. I think
4: I, I agree with all of that. I also love, and this is a symptom of the time, but also a choice that this is not a technology laden film because it's an old film stock. Because of all the things that exist. Like you said, he's combing through like old photos, like card and catalogs. He's doing yeah. card catalogs. He's I, I, there's one moment of technology, if you will, which is when he sees in sees somebody in the background. Yeah. So that he sends it to some place that does like a digital blah 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 in order to figure out the funniest moment of the movie when she's like spent all this money and. There's the back of some guy's yeah.
3: head. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. But knowing but, there's you know, a third guy in the room, though, like, that's yeah, cool. No, no, like, I, lo- I love that. That's the just, kind of yeah. stuff that makes me lean into, like, this Absolutely. kind Absolutely. Of I think, but, it's, I think I, it's all great, but the I, investigation I, element, I, I think, like that it's Yeah, no, I, it's, think, it's I think you're hitting something on the like
2: That was very smart. Yeah. They didn't ignore technology completely. Yeah. They just basically said technology will not help, help with you. this case. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Without, you know, doing the thing where we have to do writers the whole time, but the cell phone's broken. There's, yeah. there's no service. Right. <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah.
4: I mean, technology yeah. is a writer's worst enemy. Now I, I don't want to speak you have for have you. Oh, yeah. You have to it's write around it or write worst. towards it.
2: Um, it really is not helpful. It's it's, it sucks, but I, I respect that they paid yeah. a little service to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so Tom
3: sits down with Marianne's mother. He actually finds her in the, in the index, finds her, finds her in the index, meets the mom. Uh, 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 and by the way, I just wanted to say like, when I mentioned earlier, I think Cage does some of his best work in this movie. I think it's specifically the scenes he is in with Amy Morton, who plays the mom. The yeah. mom. Yeah. I think she puts Cage on his fucking a game. I agree. He with is that. he is very He's subtle and scenes. very empathetic in those scenes. He is. I agree with that. And she's wonderful. She
4: right? is. She's she an in what actress. what could in a pretty heartbreaking role. Yeah. Not just because you know her daughter is missing. The fact that she. Can't let go of the fact that her daughter might come back.
3: Well, and there's also such. She's a, trying to date him. Yeah, I mean they do, there's but that they too. do really nice, subtle things yeah. to imply her loneliness. Like yeah. the second time he comes back, yeah, she's dressed TV a tonight. little nicer, yeah, and she's she made cooked for dinner him. for two. And it's sad. I don't know that she's not, I and mean, obviously she's not trying to seduce him. But this is this is just a woman who is just so desperate for desperate for of connection. company, connection. Sure. Like I-, I
2: would say, it's no less sad if she was trying to seduce. Which I think oh, she, yeah. I think she was, but that also, like that, that need for companionship yeah. is very depressing
3: for to sure, sure. For sure. So uh,
4: he finds Marianne's diary. There's some clunky expo that that we
3: hear from the diary. It's actually, I think that expo is better than the original script version. In the original script version, how is that possible? Uh, she was <laughs> no, no. Um, she was being molested by her father. Oh, that's right. And I think the, I think it's much. It feels much more. Realistic to me, I think there's more verisimilitude to the moment where Amy Morton's like, I know why she left, it's because I hit her. Like, you and I think that tells you a lot about their relationship. Like, they were constantly fighting, and then one day Amy Morton's character feels like she crossed the line, hit her daughter, and that was the thing that made her want to run off to Hollywood. That's that's, I I like that better than like the cliched, like, daddy was molesting me. Yeah, yeah, I I think Phil's talking more like, I
2: ran off with the Anson boy, you know, him, his dad owns the. Sure. It's, it's, a little, it's a shop down in town. That's, Anderson that's, and Motors—that's the problem. Like, just like, and that leads us the, to the spelling uh, out yeah. exactly
3: what, what the next move is. Felt, which like. is Norman Reedus. Which you don't need this scene at at all, all
4: where he goes to the prison. Oh, and the, the, the Norman Reedus the, yeah, scene. The Norman Reedus scene.
2: Yeah, I'm okay with one red herring. You know, like,
3: kinda, yeah, I guess it's I, sort of I, I what don't I it don't really is. ever. I like. I He really actually is good in this scene, by the way. Norman Reedus is good. You know, I'm
2: okay. as a writer. I want the ability to do something like that if I feel like I need it, yeah, you know, like to because I don't always want the first step to be the a step in the right direction mm-hmm. occasionally you want it you want the ability to go in the wrong direction um you know there's a show like uh you guys watch the killing, mm, mm-hmm. killing did that seventeen times, and that was what's so frustrating but you can, yeah, end. I mean, Do there is a such a thing times. as one too many red herrings,
3: but like yeah. having one or two, like that's great. One or two is, is okay. Yeah. So I'm okay with, with a dead end. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's fine. I actually think it's kind of necessary in a movie like this. I, I don't disagree with I that. I just wish we got something valuable out of the scene that either illuminated yeah. her who she was, yeah. Marianne Matthews was, which we don't really. Yeah. And we get a piece of exposition from Norman Reedus that we already had, which is she went to Hollywood. Yeah. She just didn't go with him.
4: And then, like, you get a, a ridiculous or button she, or, at the end of it with him, like, putting out the cigarette. Or it's yeah. bad. It's that not, feel, it's that feels –
3: that's not – and, by the uh, way, that is not in the original script, that whole scene. I'm sure. Uh,
4: so now we have the scene where Tom says goodbye to Marianne's mom, essentially. Uh, and this, to me, I didn't like this scene at all. I didn't like the blocking of it. I didn't love him, like, reaching out that's to That's the her only arms. thing I don't like about this scene. I, do, I, I just – that didn't work for me. But, I, yeah,
3: I, well. I like the scene. I don't like him touching her.
4: Yeah, it's also just like again, it's melodrama. It's 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 just it's not it's not directed great.
3: But I also think Cage is really good when he's asking, you know, yeah. if you had a choice to know, that's, would you want that, to know?
4: That's all, great. and and obviously tease up what's coming yeah. up later. But uh, I then wrote, "What the fuck is this score?" Chanting again, throwing yeah. the tone all off, and and I I really think that I've said this on previous podcasts, and I I stand by it. You don't really know how to feel until the score is there. As a viewer, the score really Mm. holds your hand when it comes to how to feel about what's going on. Now, I'm not saying that that isn't used as a crutch sometimes. It is. But in this movie, where it's struggling with tone, the score being so fucking all over the place makes it so much harder to know what's going
3: on. I like the score. I like the sort of exotic Arabian nature of it. Like, Uh I think it's Moroccan. Um, But... um, but and by the would, way, I'm not w- saying what the fuck because of it, the cultural. It would work. It's more just like what is going on. In Here's terms the of thing, though: it happened. would work better if we believed that Nicolas Cage's character had never been to Los Angeles before. Like if he was like man, I, I, I,
2: man out of place.
3: Yeah, I, like I,
2: Phil. Uh, I, I mean, just just yeah, j- just for the sake of it. Sure. Uh, right at this point, I said this soundtrack is awful. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I. Because it's also done over a montage of all of the the sex shops in Hollywood, yeah. too, where you're like, oh my God. Like, it's just, well, it's a bad moment. It in just, the if,
2: it, it felt very of the moment where people were trying out different kinds of music, um, different kinds of world music, it felt yeah. like. I mean, yeah. we saw that in Thomas Crown a lot, right? Yes. And, but it uh, works better in Thomas Crown,
4: I think, than it does in this movie.
2: Well, well Thomas Crown lends itself a little more to it than this yes. does. Um, I enjoy, playfulness I, enjoy I enjoy what Crown. the
3: score is going for. And, if you don't like it, you don't like it. That's totally But fine. I, I think that again, I think it's emblematic of this movie. Yeah, right? which, which is it, it's just there muddy.
4: are it's... swings happening. They're not all connecting. Yeah. I would say most of them aren't connecting for me, but I do think that I respect the swing. I respect that and listen, by the way, this score was highlighted in the Wikipedia page. That had a whole I mean, people love this score. So yeah. independent of this movie, maybe it is a great score. When it's folded into
3: this film, it makes it very confusing.
4: That being said, uh Joaquin Phoenix's hair is amazing and his character's name is oh, Max you mean,
3: California. You mean Scott punk wolverine? <laughs> like <laughs> that's it's who so he is. Good. Like if the dudes it's in so real good. big fish like were somewhat hot, he would so be the <laughs> front oh, man. He just fantastic. needs a fucking Hawaiian shirt. Sure. They are, I love they so are not hot. No yeah, offense, yeah. Real Big Fish. And I do uh it's great. The dude um, who
2: just danced was kinda hot. <laughs> <laughs> that's
3: Boston's. Yeah, I got the I got the wrong Scott, man. You're right. Uh, I'm telling you guys, did my um, fucking research. <laughs> so
4: he goes to the sex shop. He meets Max California and
3: Joaquin Phoenix the minute he
4: comes on screen. Like he's like, oh fuck, that dude's it's great. a breath of fresh air. Yeah. yeah, he understands the fucking movie he's in. Like yeah. that's the problem is that very few people, I would say, honestly, Max California and Dino Velvet I'll are say, the only but, yeah, people that get the movie they're in. And I think Dino Velvet's even questionable. <laughs> times but I, I mean but my more than anything you're just like okay you get what's happening i'll, I'll watch you because you, you understand what film you're in uh they have a they have a nice scene together where uh nicholas cage recognizes that he has a fake cover over over his copy of yeah. cold blood by truman capote i like i like that and, too that that highlights like
3: oh nick cage is observant
4: like he's a really yeah. he's a good PI. Mm-hmm. did you see the title he's of, the, of the book that that he was pretending to be reading no what anal is it? secretary which sure that was the James Spader movie?
3: <laughs> yes, different. Right. Uh, yes,
2: the I moon. Mean, sure.
3: <laughs> well, I think, I think they dropped the anal part. But yeah,
4: yeah yes, they just yeah, yeah
2: yes. yes. Well, only in America. Only in America.
4: Yeah. The UK version. It's uh, Catherine Keener calls Tom and says she loves him again for the fucking umpteenth time. It's a point. every fucking scene of hers is just like oh she's touching the phone. Yeah, she wants it's fucking terrible.
1: Uh, it's
4: literally just like keeping
3: them alive in the story. It's that, that is it.
4: Tom comes back to the sex shop. And you see a boom mic in the shot, which I was like, whoa, yeah. good work, guys. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I mean, good catch. Uh, it's very brief. But my guess is that I mean, obviously, that the, they like that take that Joaquin had with the fucking customer that he was talking to. So they kept.
3: The yeah, I don't know. I didn't I did not know. Uh, then we have you dance with the devil. The devil didn't change you. Mm-hmm. Well, so so yeah. So Max is taking him into yes. the underground world of illegal mm-hmm. pornography. Yes. Which is a great sequence, by the way. Yeah.
4: That whole – when they go to the different and, – and what I also found interesting, too, was the the cultural differences. You know, I guess they, they go to a, a Mexican yeah. place first, then they go to an African-American – I mean, we can talk about what they're saying, but
3: these – I don't know. Well, no, no, apparently – I, I mean, I think apparently, um, again, Schumacher and his team did a lot of research in terms of they're in feel Los that. Angeles. You feel that. These kinds of places go, and that they're mobile, and that they shuffle around, like, every week. And it's you know. really
4: It's really eerie – because of how accessible it is, you know, I don't, I I mean, it just felt very surprisingly tangibly real. And it's during this portion of the film where I'm, I'm fully engaged and I'm like, I I'm, I'm liking their, their dynamic between Tom and Max. I'm liking what, what Keen's bringing out in Nicolas cage Uh and vice versa. I wish there was more of this
3: in the, I wish this Mm -hmm. was the movie. If I'm being honest. I do think that I do agree with you. Like this is where the movie really like kind of takes it off. It really takes bit. off. And we're, we're like 45 minutes into the movie at this point. It's, it's, I'm a, it's in, a bummer. I'm, I'm intrigued though. For like the first 40 minutes, I'm intrigued. And then Phoenix comes I, in have fits and, and, and really, but yes, and really just kicks it up a notch.
4: So,
2: uh, Max, uh,
3: I Tom... think we're all in agreement on that, but it's just yeah. kind of, it's just kind of the Levels. level
2: of where we were. Yeah. Cause I think I was about at a one <laughs> and I think, no, I think Joaquin Phoenix really does open this movie. Uh, up. Yeah. And mostly Absolutely. because of what Phil said, that he knows a movie isn't, because the first beginning of this movie, my my biggest note over and over and over again going through my head is like, did these people realize how stupid this movie is? <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way, but like there's there's a different tone that the whole movie could be played with that would have been a little more irreverent. And I think that's what Max brought to it. Um, a little less reverence, a little less sanctimoniousness, or sanctimony, I guess would be the right term.
4: Well there's I. T- to your point, I think about um Brad Pitt in Seven and his voice, yeah. the voice of Detective Mills, is funny, it's mm-hmm. twisted, he's kind of the voice of our audience. He's also yeah, he's also
3: a little impatient.
4: He's, he's impatient, child- he's yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I and there are hints of that in Max California, but not as much as the film needed. I wish that, quite frankly, Nicolas Cage had more of that voice in this movie. Um, or that just Tom Wells had more of that voice, to your point, Kenny. And I agree with you. I think that, 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 that had the film not taken itself so seriously, a little bit, I think it would have gone a long way.
3: But, you know, that's... that's it's hard, though. I mean, there's not... There's not a lot of levity no 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 show. there's but, no but again but again you have to have a character like Max you have to have a character Absolutely. like Mills yes. I
2: guess I'm not looking for levity so much as I'm just looking for a little distance yeah. a little sure. ironic distance yes, yes, yes. um perspective and I think yeah. that would have maybe helped bring out kind of your macro point of you know start looking at this from thirty thousand feet and by the end of this movie you're a part of this disgusting machine mm-hmm. um but
4: you know i i also kind of love that because this movie is pre-internet like pre-internet porn it's just i kind just think it, enough 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 that it hadn't really
2: taken off in the way that it has you're not gonna you, you even for yes keep going it's not film you're not gonna run on the internet yeah, so you but, so but the I'm, whole thing still works
4: sure but I'm i'm just speaking sort of to this idea of Pornography still being on videotapes, and this idea of yeah, going to you know sex
3: stores. There's something all that um, kind of stuff. I think there's something you know tactile about the movie overall. Not obviously yes. just in terms of the pornography, <laughs> sure, sure. But but in terms of like the sleuthing, the investigative <laughs> yes, work, yes. like planning the old school bug on the yeah. phone. There's and, a gumshoe quality to and, yeah, it. Yeah, and really having works. like a tone decoder to totally. like,
4: figure things. Speaking uh, figure of figure that out number was called. that's my favorite shot in the movie when Nicolas Cage is putting the bug in Gandolfini's phone, oh, yeah. there's this beautiful shot of the of uh, celebrity films on the ceiling. It's such an old film noir. Old that school noir. I was just, yeah. It's I was so beautiful. Like, That's fucking awesome. Yeah. And again, I kind of wish there was more of that in this movie. If it kind of had embraced a little bit more of its noirish qualities, it does in the whole going to a rich person's house at the beginning. And like it has yeah, that kind of... Yeah, there are those elements. You know what I mean? Like that sort they're giant... Just, they're just not
3: uh, consistent. Yeah.
4: Uh, so then basically... We have, I think, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, which is when Tom and Max are watching the snuff films that they buy from, uh, I believe it's <laughs> some The weird Doctor some, from some, Funny People, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. It's some
3: S&M club they go to. <laughs> Might be. I'm pretty sure it yeah. is. Yeah. Wow. Um,
4: I don't know that for a fact, but I think it is just a really tall blonde. He looked like, like he could have been one Nordic of the nihilists guy. from, yeah. uh, from Big Lebowski. <laughs> and uh, he gives yeah. them some totally. pornos and says like, this is, this is snuff. This is a real deal. They watch these films back to back and realize that it's the same girl
3: in both of them. Yeah. And, but the and Max relie- has the best line of "Snuff to the Resurrection," yeah. Which I thought was a lot well, just the sense of relief that they feel that when it's Max not real. feels yes. like when he just like oh, he sure. starts laughing, yeah, yeah, but yeah. just because he doesn't know any other reaction. To and have that's a because- great—it's just a great scene between the two of them, yeah.
4: It, because it's the scene where you learn a little bit of Max's backstory. You can tell that they're in that, they're, that, that, that they are in Max's apartment. They're just there's a real kind of
3: father-son dynamic in a weird fucked up way that's yeah. existing in that scene that I really loved. Well, it's also too, like, I, I'm sure this isn't intentional, but it's something that I thought about, which was, what's the difference between Max California coming to LA and Marianne Matthews coming to LA? Gender. That's it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I think that's, that's something that's, that just struck me. Yeah. I don't think it was, it was trying to, I don't think the film was trying to make a point or anything like that, but I think, yeah, Realistically, living out here, um, you know, you've known those people. Like you've known the Max Californias, right? Like I'm assuming, like you might be the, a Max California. The, the guys who come
4: what out. Are you saying Kenny?
3: <laughs> the guys and guys, the guys and gals who come out here to make it and do one thing and yeah, then sure, wind sure. up doing another, and yeah. and oh sure,
1: to no a degree of
4: it. There's a day of the locust kind of quality yeah. to it. Yeah, I, I hear you. on Have that. Have you ever
3: seen that or the read it?
4: I've read it. Oh. Never seen the movie. It's heartbreaking. great It's great. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, so basically. Imagination of the plot. Basically, he gets Tom gets to celebrity films and meets Gandolfini, um, who plays like the, the ultimate, ultimate, and also like the ultimate Gandolfini role for for quite some yeah. time until Sopranos. Right. You know, of just being like kind of I don't know. Just this. Thank guy.
2: God they figured out this guy. Right? right. So, oh yeah, they I gave mean, him a chance. It's amazing
4: yeah. watching this and thinking like this comes out what a matter of weeks, maybe months before the Sopranos comes yeah. out. Uh, Pro- probably great, not. Insane. A, it
2: it might have even come out.
4: After. Well, cause Sopranos um, premieres in January. January. So this comes out just after the Sopranos is yeah. Um, so people don't, don't really know what they're in for yet, but, yeah. uh, meets Gandolfini. Gandolfini's clear, He shows him a picture, clearly lying that he's never seen yeah. Marianne before. But
3: also that's Gandolfini doing some great face work. Yes. Like, I mean, again, it's all in his eyes. Like he doesn't really even say anything.
4: So, um, then <laughs> this is, <laughs> this scene made me laugh uh probably unintentionally uh is they they discover the dino velvet of it all and tom's like who's dino velvet and max says dino velvet is the jim Jarmish of snm i don't know what that means like that's that, i don't know what that means but then max max almost feels like stefan from snl at this point where he starts explaining dino velvet and like what his whole thing is he's like you know it it he gives a whole slew of things that exist in dino's movies that are absurd I yeah mean, it, it truly feels like it truly feels like stefan from snl
3: yeah but it's also like phoenix is like says it so naturally that like i don't no, it's, it does think twice I, about it like, i know i'm not
4: and again he, i don't I, self- I
3: think he's saying it with a little bit of a
4: like he's saying it with a little bit of a wink and yeah. by the way Nicolas Cage cuts him off halfway through his slew of things that happened in Dino's movies. And that's where the joke lies. He's like, yeah, 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 I get it. I get it. You need to keep going. Yeah. But it does, at at a certain point, I couldn't help but think, like, it kind of felt a little bit like uh, like Stefan from SNL. Um, Tom and Max go to New York. Yeah.
3: Max has never been to New York. Which I think is actually a really nice touch. It's like, kind of adorable. When they go to New York, he's, like, filming it through a video camera. And he's like, it's my first time in the Big Apple, man. And it's like, yeah. that's where you see, like, for all of... Phoenix's street smarts and all of his knowledge. Like he's still a fucking kid.
4: He's still a kid, which is great. You know? And I, I really love all of that. I, yeah. it, it really adds a level of, um, not just depth, but like, uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a sadness to this kid that I really love. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Once Tommy Max gets to New York is when I, I just said, I really started actually enjoying the movie. Of mm-hmm. course, Peter Stomar is playing Dino Velvet. I mean, <laughs> yeah, cause that makes complete sense. I also feel like, um, the production design of Dino's office was when I was, when they really get into the sort of the bowels of this industry Uh is when you really start to feel like Schumacher kind of leaning into the production design and not in a bad way for the most
3: part. Yeah, Uh, Like I said, I really like the production. It's a great,
4: it's a great looking movie. It's really well shot. It's got money. It knows what it's doing. And Peter Stommer is just chewing the fucking scenery and being just amazing and like i don't know i do you like dino velvet yeah here's Penny?
2: what i said about dino velvet <laughs> dino velvet seems like a pretty good filmmaker <laughs> <laughs> there's there is a correct me if i'm saying this wrong gaspar no quality oh man oh,
4: well that's so, we're going to get to a question later at the yeah. end of this that, that Jim is going to pose to us, and, and Gaspar Noa is definitely going to have a uh, appearance in
3: mind. But, um, in maybe mine, too, actually. There, there you go. It, there, it does seem like,
2: in another life, maybe Dino Velvet could have been one of those.
3: <laughs> Gaspar, Gaspar
4: Noa,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I mean, shock is not the right word, because it's always used for, for in different contexts, but yeah. you know who yeah. I mean. Yes, I, yes, yes. You know, or like, Uwe um, Bowl.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Though he's not, or even really even a, con- even a con-
4: Lars von Trier.
2: If we're being completely that's honest, that's the best answer. That's yeah. the that's the the pinnacle of the <laughs> fuck you up kind of director. Yeah. Or who does um who does the Charlotte Gaines Gainsborough movies? Um, that's that, that, the, was fun, that was fun. That was the the Antichrist? Antichrist. Antichrist was, is one yeah, of them. Yeah. 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 Dino
4: Velvet was. would make a woman cut off her clitoris oh, with, God, with a pair no, of scissors. Right.
3: Um. So. <laughs> and, Dino,
2: and Dino Velvet, but but my I guess my point is, yeah. Dino Velvet might have a real interesting meta-contextual reason for it. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe. I think it's possible. Yeah. Uh,
4: so Tom basically convinces Dino Velvet with money more than anything to let him come to set while
3: filming the movie that he is commissioning him to make. Right, and he wants him to use Machine, who yes. he saw in the video with Marianne Matthews.
4: Machine, which honestly feels like one of the characters from...
3: That animal machine.
4: <laughs> from, yeah. I mean, Peter Stomar is not far from his character in The Big Lebowski. Yeah, I agree. No, not at all. <laughs> like he's playing that
3: cross with like Dracula. I think. I mean, he's, he's Peter Stomari being Peter Stomar. Like, let's he's just, just yeah, he's let's get a ruling on Stomar versus Stomari. I, I looked it up. It it's, it's Stomari. Is it's, it really? Yeah, it good is. to know. And also, I've worked with the dude. It's Stomari. Oh. what did you work with him oh. on? Blacklist. He was. Amazing. He, he was. was nice? Pierce Stamari's character? He was Spader's nemesis in the first two seasons.
2: As that Of course guy, he
3: was. He was a bad guy nemesis.
2: Yeah. As, has he ever played a, a not bad guy?
3: Yes. Dance from the Dark. Lars von Vontier. Oh. oh, wow. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> that's yeah. He
3: was cheer really, to like. He the sweet guy who's <laughs> in love with Bjork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's awesome here uh, always being subversive, always
4: pushing pushing the boundaries.
2: He was in a he was in Prison Break all the first season and some of the second season. Yeah, and although he was a he's, prime boss, he's just like an immensely watchable dude. He's his weird, especially Fargo too. too. Yeah, he's this weird like ability to him because yeah. he's got
4: these these big kind of like doe eyes. Yeah, and there's there is something very um, weirdly disarming about him.
3: Yeah, and I, he's and he is like the sweetest guy yeah. in real life too. Was he the villain in uh, Constantine? Was he the devil he was in that? One of, okay. I think he's in it, but I forget. I just feel he. like Tilda Swinton's the ultimate villain in that movie, right? No. Yeah, she is. Is she? Gabriel's like behind no. it all. Yeah. Um. Anyway,
4: so deep cut. Yeah. So there, they. Tom goes to this set of this this snuff film that I guess he's gonna. his commissioned uh commissioned Dino to do and Machine to be in. Uh, of course, Dino's shooting a crossbow at a giant and crucifix. And this, this
3: is the scene that I think is the most batshit scene <laughs> I mean, it of is, any film in '99. It's you, definitely up there. You have six, like, amazing character actors, yeah. each one in a yeah. different fucking movie. They're all in... I mean, like, when Gandolfini shows up, yeah. like, what movie are you in? Nick Cage is, like, the P.I. Gandolfini is, like, the smut peddler. <laughs> Peter Stomari is uh, the Lars von Trier of pornographic <laughs> filmmaking. Yeah. Um Ska Punk Wolverine tied to a cross. Yeah. Uh, Ska. Being, and then you have Chris Bauer dressed as like a human sex toy that you never want to play right. with. Right, and then you've got Dr. Chilton who shows up as yeah. well. Yeah, and then Dr. Chilton shows up. Still know it's you, man, <laughs> despite the mustache. Still know it's you.
2: I like that aspect of it. I mean, I'm serious. No, it's, I it's like crazy. that aspect because when, you, when you get so far into the margins of society, yeah. you're going to find all different walks of life yeah. because that's be that's not sociological or cultural. That is psychological. Yeah, and every. People of all walks of life have these weird psychological pred- um, predilections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's very cool that you have all these different weirdos there. Now, I, obviously I not the weirdos who are there because they have to be there, like Nicolas Cage, but the ones who choose. But it's to a be
4: great, there. it's, it's a, gr- listen, it's a great scene for a bunch of reasons, which is that as you've outlined, these are all great actors, right? Yeah. You put a bunch of great actors in a room and they're all ping ponging off each other, which is great. And you've got Peter Stomare yeah. with a, with a fucking crossbow and, And it's, I don't know. It's just, it's working. They kill, unfortunately they kill Max. Yeah.
3: As we mentioned earlier in an unceremonious way. And again, I, I like it in the moment because I, I didn't see it coming. And I, I, and I mean that in that also, like they weren't doing it for shock value. Like, of course they're going to fucking kill Max. These people are deranged. They're not going to like, be like, okay, you gave us the film square deal.
4: Like, but I will also say too, that when they kill Max, which by the way, um, Dino has a really upsetting line where he says set him free. Yeah. Which is also just really, anyway, it's an upsetting line. Uh, at this point, I was in such disbelief that they killed Max. Because hmm. I didn't really remember the film by this point. I was like, is this all a con? Like, is this, I... I Yo, no. Right? I
2: feel yeah. you. I kept waiting for some other shoe yeah. to drop. Yeah. I, I, have like, a few, I have a few bad pitches for you guys at the end. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but truthfully, I was like... I mean, listen, this is a studio movie, and I know that Andrew Kevin Walker hated it. So maybe they changed the ending, and maybe it's all like a fucking ruse. I, I really, <laughs> in my head, was kind of working through that a little bit. And then I was like, oh no, he's really fucking dead. And this is all. Then we get into a, a, sort of a, a, an extended car chase sequence that well, kind of goes there, on for There a really are a long couple time.
3: things that I like in this sequence after they kill Max, which is. How, how Nicolas Cage turns them all against each other by, by saying, like, up the money. how are you guys still so fucking small time if you yeah. had a million dollars split between you? Yeah. And, you know, that causes friction within the right. – Which I, I love that Longdale – I think we can answer that now, by the way. What?
2: A million dollars six years ago? That's gone. I don't care who you are.
4: <laughs> well, there's that too. But I do like, to your point, it's a great reveal. It's a very smart thing for, for Tom. It's a Hail Mary. Yeah. But it's still it, – you're hoping that Longdale hasn't been on the up and up and he hasn't yeah so everyone turns on each other
3: um, and there's other stuff i like too which is like nick cage like you know he gets the jump on machine like is able to stab him yep. has a knife is looking at gandolfini still handcuffed yeah and gandolfini's like fuck you there's a yeah. gun 10 yeah. feet away i'm gonna yeah. get that and yeah. so then like yeah he's got to get i will say this though, bullet in the chamber like you know has
4: a fucking great line maybe my
2: favorite line in this whole movie
3: i think i know what you're. wait till about. the end wait till the end wait what
2: the best line no, it's the a second different, best it's a different line no i know, know cuz it's not dino's line but the second best line of the whole year is set in this movie
4: okay well we can get to that in a second but i i don't i my favorite line is mr longdale <laughs> If there's no honor between perverts and pornographers, the whole fucking business would fall apart. Oh,
3: which okay. I think is a great line. It's a great line. Um, my favorite line in that scene is yeah. like, as he's dying, he's saying, "Not like this. Not like this. <laughs> like he expected a more grandiose death. <laughs> like not like this. Not like this." Which is also the mall machine. It's also,
1: <laughs>
4: that's also great. But then someone else has that line in a '99 movie, which is in The Matrix, and it's, um, what's her face. The the albino chick. Remember oh, when he's yeah, pulling yeah. all the I things? Yeah, is, is and she's that, like, "Is that?
2: I don't promoted? know it, No, 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 no. It's the first major. Then I might be thinking of something different. It's I know what you're talking about. I have no idea what character is. It's
4: when uh, Joey Pants is pulling the cords oh, of everybody, yeah. and she's like, "Not like this, not like
3: this." And then she, dies. yeah, I like Peter Stomari doing that. Yeah, it he does Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I Maybe mean, like, he sells it. You think? Yeah, I'd love that. Probably it is so. Uh, it is so. so oh, yeah. I don't know. It's not. It's not in the script that I read. You like to, that, you, you
2: have to be so inside of that character. Yeah. to come up with that. Like if it's. I, I could never put it on the page. It's one of those things you could never write on the page. Well, the people are like, no, like, like what this guy, this guy, is, <laughs> thinks he's gonna have some great. With death like Dino
3: Velvet, like putting the picture of Wells's family yeah, in his amazing. That's all. The actor. See, like, that is I not mean, and it's, it's great.
4: And also yeah. the way he spits it. I mean, it's all great. And then, like, uh, So he dies. World. He also, by the way, Peter
3: before-
2: Stamari is going to die one day. And yes, he's, he's going to die one day. <laughs> and you're going to have, like, Deadline be like, Peter Stamari, character actor, blah, 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 died. I want people to remember that this guy is so much more than just <laughs> some shitty Deadline obituary. Yeah. <laughs> He is he's amazing, an
3: incredible yeah. Yeah. actor. He's a, every performance he he's gives great. is a gift. He's yeah. okay. he, and he's hundred percent committed. Absolutely yes. no, everything. A pot committed he, on it everything. Is a, <laughs> it is a gift with this we guy. We had Riggs. him on Blacklist. We had him a guy who had a hook for a hand, and he fucking owned it. <laughs> <laughs> just to say that. Well, unbelievable. Um, I mean, unbelievable. He's. Lucille. I mean, he
2: obviously has his like his accent working. <laughs> that was. When I was on set, that was all I could think about Buster Blues. I'm like, oh my God. He has um, his accent working against him, obviously. But like yeah. this guy is But he's as good as Gary Old. He's fantastic. Like he just he's fantastic. Is. Yeah.
4: uh he also has before he before he kills uh Longdale, he says action before he shoots him, which <laughs> yeah. is also just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and definitely not in the script.
2: Like no, he, he, he figured out so many little 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 nooks yeah. and crannies. So Tom right, Tom
4: gets out of there, he escapes, we have an insane score. He calls, in and he, he calls
3: Mrs. Christian, says the film is real. Oh, oh! he also takes the bullet to the neck in yes. such an
2: incredible way. Yeah, it's a flourish. Yeah, it's just like, oh, <laughs> you're talking about Stamari. Yeah. Yeah. Stamari takes a bullet to the neck yeah. in like this, like, what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Cool.
3: Yeah, it was, just, dude, it wasn't supposed to be like that. It wasn't that. supposed to be like what this. Not like this, Kenny.
4: Yeah. Um, uh, Catherine
3: Keener, again, in a different movie, he calls her and says, like, You got to get the kid out of there. That just feels like. And the scene where he meets up with them. It's weird. They just feel like perfunctory scenes. Yeah. Like you just want to get, get them. You're like, yeah. yeah, okay, I know he's got to check on his family, but he's still going to have to go out and do this. Yeah. Like just get in and out of that scene as fast as possible Absolutely. because you're not bothering to make her a character yeah. anyway. Yeah, at all. Um, but the one thing I do like is that, you know, when he goes to. The Christensen home shortly thereafter yeah he finds out that mrs christian had committed suicide which is really sad which is sad and her also it is fucking heartbreaking and also yeah which says please forget us try to forget us um Not and even, then yeah but also like there's also a shot that good i good shit there's good, also a shot that i really her. love <laughs> when and again i think this speaks to like great casting um when he calls her and says the film is real. Yeah. The film takes a moment to like stay with her after she's hung up the phone and she walks into her husband's study and looks at this picture of this guy she's been married to like for decades. Yeah. And the look and, on her face and is... realizes like I did not know him at all. Like that's fucking great and the actress is amazing. She's fantastic.
4: She's she's amazing. So she this sells is the first all movie that.
3: she's ever done. Oh wow, she's amazing. She's that's like nice. a Scottish stage actress.
4: Great. Uh um, so now basically uh Tom gets Gandolfini, takes him back to the house that they shot the, the film, that's snuff film in, that kills- that Makes kill him Mary. walk him through it. Makes him walk him through it. Again, I'm not a fan of the neon spray paint graffiti. A little too Batman Forever for my sure. liking, but it is what it is. Uh, he ties him up, and Gandolfini's essentially begging him to do it, saying, like, do it, do it. Like, get me out of here.
3: I don't I don't want to live yeah. this life anyway. He seems- Well, you know, Gan- Gandolfini's like- him on. Yeah, he's egging him on, but also, like, I really don't think he gives a shit if he lives or dies. No, I would agree. Um, and the way agree. that Gamalfini delivers the line, like, and again, this goes to that, like, why, why, why did all of this have to happen? Like, why yeah. did you stand there and watch this little girl get killed? Yeah. And he's like, because I'd never seen anyone get killed before. Like, yeah, I just it's all to.
4: very, I, no, I, I, I don't disagree. It's all very surprisingly... Affecting. Affecting. Yeah. Uh, he So now, I, I want to just very quickly read um, a line from Ebert's review in in response to what we're about to say or uh, happens in the movie. There's a moment where Wells has the opportunity to get revenge, but lacks the will. He's not a killer. And he actually telephones a victim and asks to be talked into it. I haven't seen that before in a movie. And it raises moral questions that the audience has to deal with one way or another. And I, and I I think it's a great scene. I fully agree with that. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I I think it's ballsy as fuck to do it. Um, I, I think it's, it's unfortunate that for me, that's when the movie goes off. I don't want to say goes off the rails, but it it loses me well, kinda, from that kinda point on. It kind of
2: becomes a different movie.
4: Well, it, but yeah. it's heartbreaking when he calls her and she's in tears, and she. I, you have to assume that as a parent, you always expect the kids going to come home. You know, even even if it's been years, mm-hmm. and hearing that she's gone crushes the mom. And he says to her. I can do it. Like, give me the permission to do it. Like, just tell me how much, she, me how much you she loved mean. her. And she's yeah. crying and says, I love her. But
3: by the way, like, yeah, that is a great, great scene. Amy Morton's amazing. in It's great. It's
4: great direction. I, it's great writing. Like that's where Eber, the movie like, I agree is working. Eber, yeah, like I've never that.
3: seen that in a movie before. And yeah. that's like, again, like this is where you're saying to the audience, I'm going to give you what you want, yeah. but you're not going to enjoy it. You're not gonna like, like you this. want, you want Wells to get revenge for this girl, but the means by which he has to do it, by telling her mother to get the courage to actually go and kill Gandolfini, like yeah. it is so harsh and it's brutal, and just brutal. It's yeah,
4: but but he does it. He runs. He 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 gets the permission. He goes in. He kills Gandolfini. It's brutal. He he basically pistol whips him to death. They don't show it, it like,
3: though. They shy away from it
4: because they did with the, in the original cut. They had it and it got an NC seventeen yeah. for that. So for what?
3: The, well, I think that? it's better the way it's cut together now. Anyway, I
4: agree. yeah,
2: but anyway. it's too it's it's too bad that they wanted it because they shouldn't show it. I agree. Yeah. Uh,
4: Gandolfini dies. Uh, Tom calls around to hospitals to find out if there was a patient that was stabbed because he's looking
3: for. And again, it's this is one of those sequences smart, yeah. that just shows passage of time really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Gets the, all the exposition out of the way in voiceover. And smart detective work and smart detective work. Like, by the way, he does this all throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, even when he goes to the missing persons bureau, the bullshit story he concocts about the runaway girl and the fake sketch that yeah. he even gives the guy. It's great. Like, he knows what he's doing. He's yeah. good at this.
4: Uh, so he finds machine, finds his house. Yeah. Of course, he's you know lives with his mom, and he's just some sad sack, whatever. Uh, you know, sad sack, sex murderer. Yeah, that <laughs> guy, uh, that old chestnut. And so we we have a great sequence where Tom goes into the house, and a record is has been played to the end of the of the record. So you're hearing just this clicking loop. Right. And he's snooping record, around the house, looking for machine. Around, looking for machine, trying to figure out, you know where he is, what's going on. And you're getting a sense of this guy's a little bit of his backstory. It seems relatively religious to a certain extent in terms of his upbringing, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and his mother's in a church group, and she's not there. And there's we're a, hearing this clicking record there's a, as he's, there's a
3: lot implied there that the film, I think, rightfully doesn't want to unpack, want to,
4: yeah, but we hear this clicking record as he walks around the shadowy halls of this house, and it's 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 very to your point. If you could just take it out of the movie in a vacuum, it's a fucking great scene of suspense. Yeah. Beautifully shot. It's mostly a one shot. Like when it's, gets it's to a gets of him walking yeah. around, and then the record kicks back into the music, and it's fucking terrible. It like, is. It, it's, it's really it is scary. Yeah. Yeah. it's a
2: great moment. You're like he's
4: in the house, and it's it's just a great.
2: That's yeah, it's a that, great scare. That's what hit me it, yeah. it, it, more than anything. It was what a great way great to show the power yeah. dynamic switch immediately. Yeah. yeah. Oh. We think that Nicolas Cage is the one who's the, the cat. upper hand. Yeah. And oh my god, he's the mouse. Like, John Doe has was, the upper hand. Yes. John Doe is the upper <laughs> hand. Can I give um can I give uh bad other shoe dropping pitch number one? Please. Go for it. When 'cause we're basically done here. I think we are We're, pretty, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're done with that. Well it's it's relevant to this. Yeah. When Nicolas Cage sees through the window the mom in the wheelchair, I'm like, is that Mrs. Christian? What if it Ooh. were Mrs. Christian?
3: How do you tell See, the story? See, then, then I think we're getting into like the three territory. <laughs> you know, what our I mean? favorite, our we, favorite. We are uh, getting thriller. into the
2: three territory. Also written by Nicholas Cage. Yeah, yeah.
3: and um, <laughs> I, I, I I'm, I'm not pitching this for real life, but it's like, so how? What you? No, have, but you can make that mistake though, because from a distance, the actress who, whoever she is similar. playing the mother, yeah. has a very similar, yeah, haircut, hairstyle, which I assume and, was by design,
2: but, um. So that's bad pitch number one. Yep. I'll give you bad pitch number... Bad pitch number two is even even
3: better. Okay. Bad pitch number two is... Bad pitch number two batter.
2: Bad pitch <laughs> number two was... Oh, I really love bad pitch number two. What if Marianne never died and grew up to be Catherine Keener? Hmm. How do we make that Mine work? That's a, alone. Yeah. So I was. I was. That, I mean, I'm, I'm into that. I guess at the end, I yes, it's very much the three territory. But I, yeah. I, I, f- I actually that. I mean, that would have been amazing. Well, guys, have you ever seen what? the
3: movie The Orphan? Yeah. Orphan? Dwarfing? Dwarf- Orphan? I mean, dwarfing? Dwarf-in? Well, love it. Sure, I mean, dwarf. Orphan. Classic. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the movie. Yeah. The, well, the, I, yeah. I actually read an interview with this with the screenwriter once, and it was like. Okay, I, I, I've been given this premise by the studio. What's the ending that nobody could possibly see coming? I and that is the loved genesis it, loved it, loved of loved that it. film's
4: twist. Twist. Yeah, twist.
3: yeah.
4: Um, I'm, I, saw, I'm, I saw that movie with Liz Loza. Mm-hmm. with uh, my agent's wife it was amazing what, what were you would,
3: doing out with your agents because he won't go see scary movies <laughs> so there was a time where we would go and see quote-unquote scary movies dude today. i was worried you might not be able to sit through this movie eight millimeter because i know you don't uh, like
2: i know you
4: this don't like scary this, doesn't, this doesn't bother me this wasn't scary
3: what are you worried about
2: this year audition scary wise i've seen audition i know what happens in are audition. you worried about watching anything this year you know not i'm worried about point. watching julian donkey i know you are yeah, that's not my kind of thing. We should oh, try, yeah, to we try to get Ben. We got to try
3: to get Ben Oz. Speaking of in. which, let's finish up because I yeah, do have an yeah. yeah, answer I, for the have, movie I, I want to Jim, has a
4: really interesting question for us. Then we're going to do 099 okay. and then we'll throw it to so next yeah, week.
3: So basically, he kills Machine. Machine likes doing these things because he likes doing them. Hmm. He goes home, cries in his wife's arms, save me, save me, save me. And then, a letter. then he gets the, the shitty letter. ending. He gets a letter from Mary Matthew's mom that pretty much absolves him from his sins. And the viewers. And the viewers. <laughs> which...
1: It is totally it's
3: like, antithetical to what this movie. Yeah, it's nonsense.
4: Is it's about. nonsense? It's it's just it's it's bad for a bunch of reasons. Yeah, and then it's over. But then and I, he, I he wanted to ask you with guys:
3: What do you think the right ending for this movie would be? Because I honestly don't I just gave you the two right. <laughs> <laughs> in, all, I, in all seriousness, I, in I don't all seriousness, know. I I
4: truthfully would have preferred the ending that Andrew Kevin Walker had at the end of the script, as as potentially unsatisfying as it might have been. I think him crumpled in his wife's arms, saying, save me. I've, I've seen too much shit. I'm broken.
3: I'm fucked up to me is enough. I think that's, I think it's, but there's something about it that feels a little incomplete because it's the same with like Walker originally wanted to end seven with Mills shooting John Doe. Yeah. But the reason the ending of seven works is because he has a reason to shoot John. Well, well, no, I, I think, well, in my opinion, yeah. I think the reason the, the ending to seven works is not after shooting John Doe. I'm, not shooting oh, John oh, you Doe. Mean, I'm talking you know, about. Without the end, end. Without the end, end. He wanted I, it to end with. He wanted
2: it to end with him shooting John Doe. F- and black. then
3: smashed black. Okay. But I think mm. the idea Which that. it basically does. I mean, for But then Somerset I deciding to just, say he'll be around. It's great. Because. Yeah, um, a little, just a sliver of hope. It's a sliver of. It's not betraying the movie. It's not betraying the spirit of the movie. Right, but it is concluding an arc and leaving and giving you some modicum of of hope. Yeah, you he know. also has the Hemingway quote, which, yes, which like, is
2: great. When you end movies with quotes, it's usually lame unless it's the perfect quote. And this is the perfect quote. Perfect and by the quote. way, I feel like I agree with the first part. Perfect. Yeah, it's a perfect <laughs> quote delivered by a character who's who could deliver that kind of quote delivered by an actor.
3: Can deliver that kind of quote. <laughs> yeah, you've got you. I mean, I also think you could apply that quote to the end of this movie. It wouldn't be as effective, but it's the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I, I agree, agree with, with the, the second, second part. part. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I guess that is Andrew Kevin Walker's worldview. Yeah. 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 Um. And I
2: think that's you know, like we 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 don't we we probably don't have a lot of time to get more into. Probably, no, no, it's fine. We should probably wrap it up.
3: But uh,
4: but you had a question for us. I which had I, think is an I interesting had two question. questions. Two questions. Okay. The
3: first question was: Will there be punch and pie? And your answer was no, no, and I was like now, I'm like whoever you get for South Park, yeah, you must have punch and pie on this table, we do I have to do that for south park uh punch south, park. Park's,
2: south park's gonna be a super interesting yeah'll when we figure that out fifteen people fifteen I think we just have a fucking room full of animals <laughs> and just
4: well, sure, we could do it, we could just we could bring Rob, he'll bring fifteen microphones, we'll
3: record we should just record after watching the movie. you have fifteen microphones, all right, cool, we're gonna do this great uh, uh the second question, question was. Have you ever seen a movie that you wish you could unsee? And like, yes, chill factor, and you know, boat wild, wild trip, west. boat trip, and Wild Wild West sure. side. Oh, uh, before we do this, best line of yes, yeah, sir. Second yeah. best line of
2: 1999. Oh 10, yeah, yeah, please. Nineteen ninety nine. After No More Mister Knife Guy.
3: Um,
4: <laughs> By the is, way, when we make merch, it has to say <laughs> no, no More Mister Knife, Knife Guy. guy
2: yeah. Um, is when Machine gets the upper hand in the cemetery, <laughs> and he's already done the whole spiel about uh I, I wasn't molested i just like it and he's so close to killing Nicolas cage and he goes "Can you feel how hard i am and i'm like to me okay yeah to not, me, not not re- to me, that, i thought it was amazing to me that's the you, you, i use this analogy all the time but you remember the remember the scene in uh friday night lights with matt saracen talking about how hard he was <laughs> talks about how hard he was no with matt saracen creates when he does the big the big picture he does that big that big st- uh, stencil drawing he does a big stencil drawing of like a of a uh, of a statue
3: okay
2: right and he's he's like apprenticing for this horrible artist oh yeah guy. I do this, remember that. Yes, I do yes, remember yes, this. Yes, yes yes. and he does this beautiful stencil drawing and the guy rips the whole thing up and hands him back the hand and says this part doesn't make me want to throw up make it all this part right <laughs> I, I use that analogy a lot because can you? So
4: this line made is, you.
2: That line <laughs> is what the whole movie could have been made out of. You know, that's that yeah. the other joke is like, why don't they make the whole plan
3: out of the black box? This is the <laughs> black box of that movie right.
2: for me. Sure. Okay. The movie. I.
3: Do you ask a question? Yeah. 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 What What movie have you seen, or movies have you seen that you really wish you could unsee? There's, that you truly wish you did not. There's wa- really only watch? only one
4: that came to mind because it was so deeply unsettling and and upsetting that I wish I'd never seen it, which is irreversible.
3: The Gaspar Noé. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I, I, that movie just, I, I almost, first of all, I almost threw up at the
3: beginning. What is the point of
4: that movie? I I hate that movie. movie. Yeah, that movie is just, is just nihilism on film. It's just that the world- I've never seen it. I'm never going
3: to Also, as if, uh, yeah, I mean, it's told- do you, do you know
4: what it's about? Yeah, do you it's know like the general it starts to the
3: rape backwards or something.
4: What ends with a rape? Yes, yeah, sorry, starts with a rape, goes backwards, and the rape is like well, the rape happens graphic. like in the middle of. Sorry, the Sorry, my apology. It goes backwards. I know. Starts. It starts, goes backwards it and starts a with. Rape. It starts with him, the the husband, killing her rapist,
3: who is not actually her rapist. He winds up killing the wrong guy, which and, just and speaks just, to
4: the bleakness of just, this film. Just busts his head in with it with a fire extinguisher and you see it and it is just so absolutely disgusting. Then you have the rape scene, Wait, which is absolutely disgusting. It has,
2: a, it has a similar device and a similar narrative device to,
3: to Memento.
4: Yes. But yes. Memento does not the, have
3: a 10 minute.
4: Then the scene. end of the movie is the, is the reveal that she's pregnant. So oh. you,
3: you end this, like it's, it, it's, it's just, told backwards and then it's awful. It's awful. And then, as, to add insult to injury, the film actually displays a title card yeah. that says, Time Destroys Everything. As if we didn't fucking get it. Like, <laughs> it's just that, such that a nihilistic, is, disgusting, horrible movie that I yeah. that I wish I'd never seen. Conversely, I kind of like Enter the Void. Never saw and it. And I hear his new one, Climax, is pretty good. Never saw Love, either. Yeah, uh, Kenny, yours?
2: Uh, Gummo. <laughs> Interesting. Um, really? The, the There's nothing... Redeeming? Gro- no, no, I don't think Gummo... I'm talking about one scene. Okay. The Bathtub scene. Yeah, the Bathtub. It's yeah, yeah. disgusting. It's the worst thing I've ever seen on film. And uh and it makes me so physically ill to think about that I wish I had never seen it. Wow.
4: I um, really hope we can get Ben
2: Hosley. But I on also for uh for our But I wasn't joking episode. when I said every movie made between <laughs> nineteen seventy eight and nineteen eighty one, with the exception of about ten. Like yeah. there's something about that yeah. period. Um, the way films were made and shot, the way people looked, to the way yeah. it was cut together—sure, everything—the
3: well, the auteur cinema of like the late '60s and '70s was dying, and yeah. then the commercial cinema of the '80s was just burgeoning, and so I guess it was that weird in between in between space. period. I mean, like, you know,
2: a, there's some auteurs who made brilliant films in that period sure. but they just don't like raging bull was like made in that yeah. period empire strikes back but, but yeah but the blockbuster like, was
4: still in puberty like it hadn't really fully turned into and, and what the, it was.
2: i mean there's a movie i mean i've brought it up in a previous
3: podcast mm-hmm. but logan run is like the most physically revolting it's a pretty ugly movie, movie yeah it's pretty nasty looking what was yours what were your movies i have two okay um i almost had three. i thought about irreversible sure. but i actually think the most egregious thing about irreversible is that fucking title card at the end which i hate sure. i mean there's a bunch um sure. One the f- the only film that has ever made me physically ill, mm. Human Centipede Two, sure, sure. full sequel. Why did you watch that? <laughs> um, <laughs> first of all, I got a screener from a friend who Ugh. had distributed the film. Ugh. Second, I don't like the first Human Centipede. I don't, but I think it's actually a really funny fucking movie. Hilarious. Uh, no, I mean, do you know like the whole yes. impetus for that movie eh? is the, the, for the the doctor like. His dog died, and that's why he wants to create the human centipede. The movie starts about John Wick. I mean, like that's a much better way to deal with the. But he had he didn't have a human bunch of people. But he had a canine centipede that he was in love with, who is dead at the beginning of the movie, and he's crying over the picture of the canine centipede. And I'm like, how can this movie not be a fucking joke?
4: That sounds terrible.
3: And then you watch Human Centipede two, and it is it's just the intentionally the grossest thing you will ever see. It's like a hundred people, right? Uh, no, that's like the third one, which I refuse to watch, but it's about, it's a meta, it's a meta film about a guy who saw the human centipede yeah. and wants Once to make his own, yeah. but is not a real doctor. So he has to use like... <laughs> uh, Rob loves human centipede. <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I do think the human centipede episode of South Park is one of the it's finest half hours in great. television history.
3: Um, the other film, mm-hmm. I want you to pull this up and I want you to read the log line. Okay. On IMDB Four. and surprise yourself. Okay. Um, so it came movie? out in like twenty ten. Uh-huh. And a friend of mine called me up and said, I just saw the most disgusting movie I have ever seen in my entire life. And I was like, challenge accepted. Oh no. Uh-huh. Um, it's called a Serbian film. Oh, I know a Serbian film. Yeah. Okay. So I don't even say it. You could read the log line though. Okay. You don't have to. A
2: Serbian film is one of those it's one of those movies like Irreversible that um
4: Just the logline of this movie. Uh, Just for our 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 viewers, our listeners, an aging porn star agrees to participate in a "quote unquote" art film in order to be in order to make a clean break from the business, only to discover that he's been drafted into making a pedophilia and necrophilia themed snuff film. That's
2: that's that's. That's the nicest possible way. That's, that's not what people the tamest way yeah. to put what that movie is. About. That's not what people That's not how people normally describe it. I'm not even going to say it, Jim. It's up to you. Yeah, yeah, you no,
3: or. I'm not going to say it. Here's what I am going to say to okay. to any idiot out there who is listening to me talk and saying challenge accepted. Don't. I'm actually I, honest, I, I, I'm, I'm physically ill thinking What about I would it. say is if you're really curious, go on Wikipedia and read the plot summary and then you will thank God, even if you don't believe in God, that you did not watch this I'm movie. Never gonna, I'm never going to I'm never going to do anything like that. Yeah. Um
4: Let's let's 0 uh, to 99 this movie, guys, because we've been here for a very long time. Yeah, oh my God. Excuse, yeah, excuse me, I
2: just have to vomit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it. seriously, a Serbian film is so disgusting. You saw it? You actually saw no, it? No, 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 I just know what it's actually about. Yeah. It's not actually about like like a pedophilic
3: art film. I mean, yes, it is. I mean, but it like, is, but the shit that happens in that movie is yes. like, okay. you don't even want to know. So 0 to 99, as you know,
4: we rank yes. the films
3: from 0 to 99. We this rank is, them. This is for the in, listeners, not me, man. I'm I gonna
4: say we don't even have to explain it. We don't really need to explain it, but we're going to just for you know first time eight millimeter fans <laughs> <laughs> that have listened to this. Hey, that uh, one guy. Hey, man. This thanks is for, for you, buddy. Thanks for yeah. tuning in. Uh, zero to ninety nine. We rank it from what we thought in ninety nine. If we saw it in ninety nine, we rank what we thought of the film before this podcast, mm-hmm. and then we rank after this podcast. Um, I'll go first. In 99, I probably would have given this film a 34. I I wasn't a big fan. Uh it honestly I d- I don't really think about it very much, but whatever. Uh before sitting down today, I'd say I probably gave this film a 56. Okay. So you liked it? I I That's I, not I, would That's not I would recommend I would recommend seeing this film, if you know what you're in for, like, you're not going to sit down and you watch would recommend a millimeter. it to a certain kind of person yes, knowing exactly. what they can stomach. After this podcast, I'd say I'm pretty much the same. I'd say I'm probably, at, you know, 57, maybe, maybe went up a little bit, but for the most part, I'd say I'm in the high fifties on this one. Okay,
2: um, yeah. what do you think? Uh, I gave it a 20 in
1: 99.
2: 99. Okay. Uh, brutally disappointed. Um, I popped it up a bit. Before this podcast, I had it at a 38. Okay. Um, didn't hate it as much. There are some things I liked. Hmm. After this podcast, I will pop it up a little more. I think it's about a forty-one. I mean, okay. it w- like okay. it ultimately is not a film I would recommend to someone. Sure, I get that. And I do think, like, I, I do think it's it's a-, a pretty big swing and a miss. But I, I would emphasize a pretty big swing.
3: So yeah. I uh, think that's that's fair. Um, yeah. Jim, ninety-nine. Uh, I did not see this in theaters. I think I rented it, but. Here's the thing. I avoided it in theaters because I thought it was going to be so shitty because all the reviews were so terrible. Yeah. Um, when I did see it, I thought it was better than, than, you expected. I, than sure. I expected. Sure. So I would give it like a 40 back in 99. Okay. Um, and then today, um, before this podcast, I was going to say 70. After this podcast, I'm going to go down to 65. Okay. Okay. Hey. I mean, listen. Good. I, I mean, we had an effect. Yeah. I think. No, you did. I. We I, all I, had an effect on each other. I think. I think, I think is what happened. I think, happened.
4: I think yeah. we
2: all we all came to. A consensus. I'm glad. That, I,
4: I'm glad to, to Jim's earlier point. What I love about this podcast is reevaluation. You know, on movies that either you know movies that I've seen, and this is a perfect example of a movie that has sort of been maligned, and I'm glad I saw it again, and. You know, I if, think you, if you, you take
3: a look at it, there's you'll some be, worthwhile you'll be surprised. stuff. I
2: feel the same way as you, Phil. Yeah. Like I think, it, had I had not seen it again, yeah. I would have forever dismissed it. Yeah. And now I, I think I think it, at, at the very least, it's an interesting movie. Not a lot of movies like it. Yeah. And it kind of is an interesting piece of many film and many people involved with it. its puzzle. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, so I think that's cool. What do we do next week?
4: Uh, we are doing the aforementioned 10 things I hate about you. I don't think, oh. we, was it
2: aforementioned on this podcast? Or
4: it was yeah. this is the beginning.
3: Yes. First date in high school, motherfucker. Yes.
4: First date. Uh, we have actually Lyle coming on as our guest. She's a, a, a television writer. Um, she, worked, believe it or not, believe it or not. Shockingly. Uh, she was on the originals for several seasons. Um, and now, uh, she was on Narcos and she just recently sold a show to, to Showtime. Um, so she's going to be on and we're going to talk about, uh, of the Shrew, uh, basically.
2: Um, this is no joke. This one of one of the episodes we are one. most excited for. Yeah. Um, there were, as we've said before on this podcast, at least off the top of my head, six like kind of seminal teen movies. Yeah, I yeah. think this is probably might be at the top of that. List. Yeah. I'm not, I don't. I don't necessarily mean that it aged the best, but I think yeah. this is persevered in a way. I agree. Not a lot of movies
3: have. People have a fondness
4: for people have a fondness this. Yeah, for yeah. this film that I think and and uh, um, uh, what I'm looking for. I think that if you compare it to the other big ones, the She's All That, I guess, of that time, this movie does feel as though it it was made with a little bit more sort of, I don't know, je ne sais quoi. There's something there to this movie that that those movies just didn't have. Um, so I'm really excited to to talk uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Me too. It's going to be cool. I'm excited to listen. Awesome. Thank Jim. you so much for coming Thank on. Thank you guys awesome. for having me. Awesome. Seriously. You're obviously this super cool. more than welcome to come back. Yes. If there is another, uh, you know, if you want to come on for Flawless uh the door is open you <laughs> could be but our no schumacher, wait, I'm a, I'm guy. A schumacher guy
3: i'm a completist uh no i will not <laughs> okay. commit to flawless <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll find another movie for you to come on on thank you so much for coming on of do course. you have uh, Thanks any again. social
4: media you want to throw to i know you're not really on twitter anymore nah. okay uh i'm on instagram at camp 44 there you go that's it um i'm at pm iscove on twitter and on instagram we have a twitter feed now for our show podcast like
2: 1999 Please follow I'm, us there. I'm at Nybar. You guys should really follow me for all the retweets. For of, all the retweets of, of uh, my tweets. Yeah, that's right. At 99.
4: 99. Um, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Podcast
0: like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. You want a podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it.